Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. 2,000 years ago, his words came to pass. AD 70, Jerusalem surrounded by armies. The temple destroyed. Sacrifices ceased. The end of the age. So where are we at on the prophetic timeline of history? Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And that we have been made kings and priests to reign here on earth. The, the Revelation, Revelation Red Pill, the kingdom of God is now. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Hey guys, welcome back to Resistance Chicks. It's Revelation Red okay. Pill Wednesday. We got a hat going on. Do you know that I just came back in from outside? You're, you don't need a hat. Your hair looks great. Just go. Do it. Just go. It's called the speaking tongues hairdo. No. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. No, no, no. No hat. No, you don't need a hat. Tell them all. To all y'all tell her. It's Revelation Red Pill Wednesday. Episode 8. So You're about to go where no man has gone before. Now, last week. Yeah. I don't usually stand, so this is... Uh, the whole show could be different if I stood. Da, 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 da. And I backed the camera up a little bit. Last week, we ended the program with a bomb. If you stayed until the very, very end... Yeah. Then you got a sneak peek. A sneak peek. Into what we're going to bring you tonight. Yeah, some of you are going to blow your mind. <sighs> I'm talking explode. Hold on. Maybe even Hang know. on. They may need to wear a hat to hold their heads together for when your mind exploded. Yeah. If you guys haven't been tuning into Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays, I don't, I don't, I don't really know who you are, but um, this, this series has been phenomenal. And I'm really excited. Now, Leah, last week, we kind of, you laid a foundation for where did modern end times theory yeah. come from? Where yeah. did it originate? Yeah. Who are these characters? Who are the you characters? ever open up, up a book and it has like a list of characters and yeah, it kind of tells helpful. you who they are? It's, it is helpful. Reminder. Is that, a, is that like a, chi a child's book? Do who, they do that in adult books? Who is this guy? That's John Nelson Derby. He was the uh, kind of the originator of dispensationalism. What's dispensationalism, the... this big word? Well, dispensationalism is a mode, a theory of theology that says that God deals with his people in seven different dispensations throughout time. It is extremely focused upon the end times and it has in there what we're calling and what they called a secret rapture that the church had never heard of before for 1800 years. And dispensationalism cuts off the church, Christians, Gentiles, away from Jews and cuts off the promises of God from the church. And dispensationalism, I thought I... You did that for me. Okay. Uh, in dispensationalism... The church is different and separate from, and the church, church is not actually even mentioned in the Bible. 
in the Old Testament. We're not even <clears throat> prophesied of, there's no prophecies of the church According the to Testament. dispensationalism. Yes. It's absolutely ridiculous that we're not prophesied. 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 We're, I want to be prophesied, prophesied about it. all throughout the Old Testament. Prophesied it. You prophesied it. I'm running on four hours of sleep. Can you tell? No, you're doing good. You are doing good. Tabs from other devices. All right, wait, wait, wait. All right, wait, wait. So I did this. I did this thing. Watch this, watch this. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Okay, Leah. Who's this guy? <laughs> you're cracking me up. I am loving these, right? That is uh, C.I. Schofield. And who's that guy? He is the guy who took the teachings of John Darby, learned them, and got together with some of John Darby's pals called the Exclusive Brethren or the Plymouth Brethren in England and published a, it should have just been a commentary on the end times, but instead they made it into a Bible with study notes and most people just read the study notes and they don't really line up with the word of God. And we're going to go over that tonight. We are. If right. I can figure out how to open up these tabs. Just keep scrolling down. Keep going. Keep going. Keep that's going. What I want. There you are. Are you sure that's all, what you want? I don't feel like that's enough. You needed to go down one more. I had to go down way far to get them. I've got them all if you need them. Well, this is the Samsung. I know, but it's that could be a cell phone. Go way down further. Okay. Keep going. There they are. Look at that. I'm helping Leah with the tabs. All right, wait. I got one more guy. You ready? Who's this guy? <laughs> I had so much fun. <laughs> that would be. Yeah. You take a screenshot of Lee and I doing that with it. All things are lawful, not all things are permissible. I was going to go like this. Oh no, what did Lee do? Oh, they would take a picture of you doing that. I know, right? I'm mocking. Ali Esther Crowley and his Satanism. And if you guys don't know who he is, you're going to know who he is tonight. He you are going to learn you something tonight. Do as thou wilt is the whole of the law. So how, Leah, does one of the world's most famous Satanists in all of history tie into the Left Behind series? We're going to get to it. We're going to get to it, and it's going to be the best Revelation Red Pill episode yet. I'm going to say that every time we do a new one, actually. That way there's no, you know, ahead of time. There's no competition. Now we're not putting anything down. It's potential. Potential. Potentially, it's going to be the best Revelation Red Pill yet. So this guy, so creepy. For those of you that stayed last time at the very end of episode seven. Yeah. They were like, there was the shocked faces, the... Now you're going to drop the truth bomb again, right? You're going to build it up and do it one more time for those that weren't at the end last week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Building it up for this yeah. guy. Well, we're going to actually... Right? Before How do we I do hit... This? Right? No. You're doing it. No, there. Boom. That's really hard. I'm not... A, I would never be a good weatherman. So none of my links are coming up. I have them all. No, but I need it in front of me. I know you do. Do you want to switch me sides? No, I think I might have to... Maybe you could just plug me in. Can you plug me in? Yeah. You need data. Yeah. I, right. I need internet. You need internets. I need the internets. I, I cannot. It's not giving me any internets. Okay, so today, I'm actually really excited. We're going to go, we're going to pop back over to Scofield. What we didn't get into last time 
was what is in dispensationalism? What is in the Schofield Bible that is off? It's kind of wrong. Tiffany says, sounds exciting. Yes, it does, Tiffany. And, she wait. And anytime you go to work, uh, it should go, with, go down here and see if it's connecting. Let me make sure it's plugged in here, actually, really well. It is not. Now try. Ooh. Did it go? There it went. And we're fresh. Ah, oh, we're back in business. Lord. Jesus. I knew that if, here's the thing. Every time you go to do something like on Aliester Crowley, Hang on, my, now my you're going to get down. the devil to come at you. That's a fact. But I will tell you this. The Bible says, I'm gonna submit pull this to God, down. resist the devil, Goodbye, and he will flee. devil man. So what we're going to do is we're going to open a prayer. God, I thank you so much for revealing your truth to us. Yes, Lord. I thank you for your kingdom. I thank you that your kingdom is now. I thank you that we are filled with your power, that we are filled with your glory. I ask you to open up the eyes of our understanding that we would know the hope of our calling yes. and the riches and glory and the inheritance. What did I just say? The inheritance for the saints. Show us what that inheritance is here on earth and in heaven. I just thank you that you're going to bring all of us together, whether we're uh, Catholic, Protestant, Jew, Gentile, Barry, over there in uh, England, halfway. whatever he he's is. He's halfway here. He's a halfway here. Anybody, anywhere, whatever denomination, I pray on this particular subject because it's it's one of those red pill subjects. Yes, Lord. That we would all come to the fullness of the knowledge of who you are and that we would begin to manifest your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you hear about the red pill? What red pill? So they are adding red pill to the list of um bad things who is everyone i heard i heard that it's trending on getter today even okay so okay i you We're know done what i'm saying what i did on getter what i just hashtagged red pill hmm. when i shared this so is facebook and now our revelation red pill huh do you know why it probably became a thing hmm. because of our show probably probably that's what it was all about you know, okay. there's things you can't talk about. There's radical Islam. You can't say that. You have to call it the religion that shall not be named. Nobody cares about that one anymore. You can't talk though. about the uh, juice in the old arm there. The juice uh, in the old arm there. You can't talk there. about that. You can't talk about horse paste. You can't talk about all these things. So now, if you say red-pilled, well then. Yep. So last week, and you guys can follow along if you want on uh, the Isaiah 58 blog spot, we went over the kind of the history. We started with... A priest, a Jesuit priest named uh, Ribera, and how his teaching on futurism and a, and a future Antichrist. Which one? This one? Yeah. This is, yeah, we're just kind of, we're re recapping. Well, I'm going to give Led to uh, Emmanuel uh, Lekunza pretending to be a converted Jew. And he wrote a book that a man named Edward Irving translated. It was He was in Spain and translated it. And in this book, it was basically a, uh, it was the futurist view of uh, the tribulation and in, in, and in it, it did have, I believe that one had the, the secret rapture as well. So Edward Irving was de um, developing this premillennialism in the 19th century. And there was this giant revolution, uh, revolution of prophetic and apocalyptic speculation concerning the rapture and the return of Christ in the early 
1800s. Edward Irving and John Darby frequented the same kind of prophetic conferences. It was like a day camp for end timers. Yay, okay? fun! Like, you know, like the Reawaken series, but for yeah. end timers. Yeah, exactly. So in it, um, I'm going to just give you an idea of what it, what it, in 1828, Irving wrote a work of over 500 pages, The Last Days, a discourse of the evil character of these are times, proving them to be the perilous times in the last days. The, the first chapter is entitled Introductory to Prove that the Last Times and the Last Days of Holy Scripture are the conclusion of the Jewish captivity and the Gentile dispersion. Irving was clearly uh, convinced that the Lord would return his generation. He said, I conclude, therefore, that the last days will begin to run from the time of God's appearing for his ancient people, the Jews, mm -hmm. and the gathering of them together to the work of destroying all anti-Christian nations, of evangelizing the world, and of governing it during the millennium. The times and fullness of time, so often mentioned in the New Testament, I consider as referring to the great period numbered by times. Now, if this reasoning is correct, there can be little doubt that 1,260 days conclude in the year of 1792 and 30 additional days in the year 1823, and we're already entered upon the last days, and the ordinary life of a man will carry many of us to the end of them, if this be so... It gives to the subject with which we have introduced this year's ministry a great importance indeed. Meaning, the people, some of the people that helped perpetuate and found the were mo wrong. modern end times theory, uh, we still believe the theory, but they were wrong about the date. Let's keep putting it forward. All right, John Nelson Darby started the, the, um, the Plymouth Brethren with the same kind of fervor. Uh, Irving, this is all happening in, it's all happening in Great Britain. So Ireland, Scotland, and England. That's why they're called the Plymouth Brethren. It has nothing to do with the, the Plymouth Pilgrims. So remember last week we covered Darby. Darby, uh, was writing a friend and he said, don't let anybody know the particulars of this because it's, it's so new. Right. And he knew that his dispensationalism was new. Yes. Was brand new actually kind of exciting for them okay so he taught this uh, dispensationalism and it, the secret rapture which would be actually three comings of christ all right the first one was his advent right mm -hmm. jesus comes as a baby and the second one we bring him up into the meet him in the air and the rapture and the third one would be millennial reign remember he said uh the thoughts are new new wine to the 1800 history of the church be vague it would not be good to have it so clear I got a problem with this new wine. We we got to keep. keep I'm, going. I'm literally just doing a recap before we go Four move hours on. Of sleep. Okay. Four hours of sleep. Okay. I just I'm trying to recap. Go faster. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard to remember all these different Have things. Have we reminded everyone we're sisters? Yes. Okay. All right. So every uh, how Lindsay picked up on this. Um, Later on, as it got through the Schofield Reference Bible. So, C.I. Uh, Schofield was a charlatan. He left his wife. He left his daughters. And Atchison, the town of Atchison, Kansas, you can, you can look up their newspapers. He was a cad who stole money. And he, would, he was a shyster who tricked people out of money. That guy. No, that guy. Good weatherman. Mmm, not good weatherman. Yeah, boom. Boom. That guy. That is... Oh, I can't get in front of him, can, can I? You wouldn't be able to pick his nose if you tried. I know, right? Okay, so that's Schofield. Now, Schofield, 
he gets this message because John Darby comes over to America from England and they start meeting at the day camp in at Niagara Falls. So the Christian End Times Day Camp is now at Niagara Falls, which brings in a lot of Canadians. So a lot of, a lot of Canadians are, are end timers at the Christian the, the Day Vacation Camp. End Time Niagara Falls. Okay. Party. All right. And there he meets a guy. Um, uh, this guy Brooks is I don't there. I have a picture of Brooks. You don't have Brooks, but Brooks became um, C.S. Schofield's pastor. And while they would keep going to their keep going there year after year, it's called the Niagara Conferences. We should do a reawaken at the Niagara Falls if they had these conferences. Yeah, I don't know where they were having it. I got some people could go over in a barrel. Mm. And uh, so Schofield kind of gets pulled into this end times craziness and finds a way to reinvent himself from a person who deserted basically from the army, deserted his family. He had he was he had to give up his. Um, law practice because there were rumors that he was on the take he was um it was in his law practice he was attorney general was he, of um, kansas but he had to he wasn't the one that, was, that left the army he did leave the army but, yeah uh but he had to he had to skedaddle out of kansas for that very reason and we uh, we discovered that he hooked back up with the Plymouth Brethren from England. There was a guy named Gabe Moline at one of these Niagara conferences, Maybe. and he helped make the connection between the Plymouth Brethren, Darby, exclusive brethren. We call them exclusive because we we haven't really covered this very much. But the Darby split from the Plymouth Brethren. They became exclusive. They believed that you should that there. Were, there should be no fellowship, really, with other denominations, that they had everything correct and everything right, and, and they were the ones who were hearing from God. And they, that's why they were called exclusive. They didn't even really believe that the rest of us were Christians. I say us. I wasn't kind alive of. then. So the exclusive brethren still exist today, and, and, and they're a cult. Just FYI. They are a cult. No offense to them, but they are a cult. Okay, so they the exclusive brethren and the Plymouth brethren have a very Zionist view they believe that they are called by god to usher in the end times and the coming of jesus and in order to do that they believe that there has to be the fullness of the gentiles which they weren't focused on which would be evangelizing right mm -hmm. they weren't focused on that very strangely enough what they wanted was to bypass any sort of evangelism that they had to do right and get people to come to know jesus and just throw all the jews into Israel and hope that Jesus would come back then. Right. Like, let's forget the fullness of the Gentiles. We don't even want to pretend to know what that means. We just want this world to end. So Jews, you go there and Jesus, you come back. Okay. That's basically their message. And the world is going to get really, really bad really, really quickly. I didn't uh, bring to you this from last week. This is a this is this is new. I was reading some of Darby's teachings today <clears throat> on the beast and the antichrist. So I'm gonna give you guys an idea of what they were teaching because I'm gonna lay a foundation of when we start to talk about Aleister Crowley. Okay. Okay. All who look for a personal antichrist have been accustomed to assume that he is the head of the Roman Empire, in whose hand imperial power. This is Darby speaking. Will be and the throne of the world. Now remember, I want you guys to think of something. Think of this. 
the idea of the Antichrist having the throne of the world. Now, we have been talking on our show of reigning as kings and priests. Yes. And having all power and authority. I got it. And there should be no person that is going to reign over the world. Okay? Not now. Not in, not in the Christendom. Of this, I much doubt. I have no doubt there will be a blasphemous power the object of universal admiration. The scriptures seem to me to contain a plain revelation of this. I repeat then, I see nothing to change in general, though doubtless much to learn in the belief of this blasphemous imperial power, which will act under or have the throne of Satan in the last days. Satan has been dethroned. That right there is, is if you start to think that Satan is sitting on a throne of any sort of power, you will lose as a Christian. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he has spoiled all principalities and powers. He has made a show of them openly. And Satan has been bound. The Bible says this. Submit to God. Resist the devil, he will flee. Now, if you submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. How does he have a throne of power? If we could put up a shield of faith and extinguish all fiery darts of the enemy, mm. how does he have a throne of power? That's a good question. If we can cast out demonic powers, Jesus says, all power and authority has been given unto me. Does that mean, is there is there any power above all? Nope. Does, None. If Zip. there, if I... If I make a plate of cookies and I say they're all for me. No, you would not. Then that you is. don't get one. First of all, why would you say something like but that? But God, Jesus has all power and authority. Ain't nobody gets a cookie. Have his dominion and power and authority. All. All. Of the increase of his government and peace, there would be no end. All power and authority has been given unto Jesus. He has dethroned Satan. He was on a throne. He did sit on a throne. He was running the kingdoms of this earth. He has, and we're going to go over Daniel where it talks about the four kingdoms and how there would be a kingdom made and, and a rock would be taken out of the mountain without hands and destroy the other kingdoms. That is Jesus. Now, you know so, how as a Christian they say Satan is defeated? Yeah. How come? G- how come? Mm-hmm. No, that's He's your under song. my feet. Yeah, that's right. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. But again, like Lee and I say, and we said throughout the series, feet. unfortunately, Woo. modern end times theory feet. makes Christians schizophrenic. Either Satan is defeated or he will be defeated. You don't get to have it both ways. No. We are in a time... So dispensationalists, was they defeated? Dispensationalists, and uh, this is what I was taught: the church advances, 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 and until the last days, and then Satan gets back on his throne, and he gets power and authority. They believe that, and I'm going to try to get that out of your brain because if you were taught that and you believed that, that is a false doctrine that is really going to be hard to get out of your head. So follow me because I know that that that's stuck in your head, uh, and and it's stuck in your loved ones' heads. Okay, he says. This is Darby again. The question to me is, if the saints have not lost sight of another power of which the scriptures speak more even than of the great public blasphemous government, and that the consideration of this power is necessary to the filling up of the scene according to the scripture, and I further question whether this power be not properly the Antichrist, though there be many 
though though there may have been many morally. So he's like, he's talking about one Antichrist. He says, we have then the fact as to the history of the latter day. And there are two beasts or manifestations of power united in their operations, but at the same time, very distant, distinct. Each of them amazingly important in the place it holds. Amazingly important. Okay. Though one be distinctly on the throne of the prince of this world and the other not. Whatever title they may hold, those are the two. I speak of this because in some passages and in our minds, in reflecting on the spirit of the age, the general character may be presented, and we readily forget that there are certain historically two vessels of evil power, one having the public authority and a certain character, the other in whom is the energy which acts and produces the effects of men. Now remember, Darby was well known for his oratory and writing skills. There's a mm -hmm. lot of words here. This is a word salad. It's got like grapes and nuts and everything is insubversive to the throne and public power. I shall consider first this second beast in whom the energy of seduction is found. So he, right now, you're getting set up to fear two great, very evil powers. And number one, you're getting ready to fear the power of seduction. It will hardly be questioned that the Antichrist, whatever system of interpretation is adopted, is found in one or other of these two vessels of evil power. First, then, the second is a beast. That is, there is an ana analogy in the nature of their existence. Now, ex what dispensationalists do is say they need to interpret the Bible literally. But they only interpret literally when they want to interpret literally. And everything else is an analogy as he just spoke here. Okay? Whenever anybody says, I take the Bible literally... They are lying. There are times when the Bible is literal, and there are times when it is poetic, okay? I went, read Song of Solomon and tell me that's literal, okay? And then there are times where it is apocalyptic, okay? And, and so there, the, the Bible is a book of literature. All right, that is, there is an analogy in the nature of their existence. Now, beasts are a well-known figure, and I am not aware of any case in which they are not a temporal power, so that we have a temporal power subsisting along with the great general power who had Satan's throne. Now, I want to read a quote from Schofield about the Judaizing of the church. What he is saying about the Judaizing of the church is that we who take the Old Testament promises, we're Judaizing. He says, this is Schofield. It may be safely said that the Judaizing of the church has done more to hinder her progress, <coughs> listen carefully, pervert her mission and destroy her spiritually than all other causes combined. This, read this backwards for me, because as he's saying that the Judaizing of the church has done more to hinder her progress and pervert her mission, that's inverted. Because what they've done is hinder the church's progress, pervert the church's mission and destroy us spiritually than all other causes. What they accuse you of is what you're guilty of. Every time. Instead of pursuing, listen to this, her appointed path, the church, us, of separation, persecution, world hatred, poverty, and non-resistance, she has used Jewish scripture to justify her lowering her purpose to the civilization of the world, the acquisition of wealth, the use of of imposing ritual, the erection of magnificent churches, the invocation of God's blessing upon conflicts of armies, and the division of an equal brotherhood into clergy and laity. Now, 
I can recognize that the Baptists who read this would be like, yeah, that's the Catholic Church, and we hate Catholics. No, because the church itself has always been advancing, and God wants his people to rule and reign and to pick up that mantle of Abraham and have the blessings of Abraham, have the land, have the cows, have a home, have children, be, be fruitful and multiply and, and fill the earth. That is the, that is the blessing on, on Adam, and Jesus came to redeem that. So what this guy is saying is by us claiming the promises of Abraham, we are not doing our duty to suffer. Woman, get in the kitchen, make me a sandwich, and I'll beat you later. Yeah. Persecution, suffer. Non-resistance. Don't, Don't be in the government. Don't be in the government. Don't. And you guys have, that is where this has come from. And that was in the Schofield Reference Bible. Telling people not to be involved in government if you're a Christian. Non-resistance, persecution, suffering. <clears throat> okay? Schofield defines two different programs for God's redemptive purposes through history with two different peoples, the Jews and the Gentiles. Schofield's use of the term Judaizing of the church is taken to mean his rejection in very strong terms of the connection between the people of God throughout time or what Orthodox theologians have seen as the continuity of the... Um, Continuity. Continuity of the, there's a, there's a Greek word here, uh, E-V-K-K-L-H-S-I, uh, from the Old Testament believers to the New Testament, the Ecclesia, sorry, I know that, the Ecclesia, from the Old Testament believers into the New Testament church. More modern dispensationalists use the term replacement theology. All of the classic dispensationalists reject any, con uh, uh, con I can never say Continuity. that Continuity. Thank you. Of God's people as their demand for a separation of Israel and the church requires this position. Schofield, he has rightly dividing the word of truth. Have you heard that? Being 10 online studies of the more important divisions of scriptures. Uh, outline studies, not online. Before uh, Schofield sees making a connection of national Israel to the golden age church as a Judaizing corruption. That is, connecting the Jews to the gospel age church, Judaizes the church, and sees that as an ecclesiological and theological corruption. So when we say Jews should come to know Jesus, and we're all one, that's Judaizing. John uh, Wolvert says, dispensational uh, ecclesiology defines the church as a distinct body of saints in the present age, having its own divine purpose and destiny differing from the saints of the past before Jesus or future ages. So essentially what they're saying is the past this is a brand years, new religion. The past 200 years, or 2,000 years, the past 2,000 years of the church. We are a brand new religion. We are distinct from the Jews in right. all respects. And the whole Bible. Yeah. Uh, the whole Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. We have nothing to do with it. Nothing. Might as well not read it. Might as well. According to them. Dwight Pentecost agrees and states the church and Israel are two distinct groups with whom God has a divine plan. The church is a mystery, unrevealed in the Old Testament. This present mystery age intervenes within the program of God for Israel because of Israel's rejection of the Messiah at his first advent. This mystery program must be completed before God can resume his program with Israel and bring it to completion. Pentecost is saying after the Jews rejected Jesus... God made the church a kind of in-between age, a parenthesis, until God restores Israel and completes the program he started with them. 
he presses this point as to what he calls a mystery program. If this the is true. Let me just finish. The church is manifested manifestly an interruption of God's program for Israel, which was not brought into being until Israel's rejection of the offer of the kingdom. This is very strange theology. It must logically flow that this mystery program must itself be brought to a conclusion before God can resume his dealings with the nation of Israel, as has been shown he will do. The mystery program, which was so distinct in its inception, will certainly be separate at its conclusion. I got it, Leah. Hang on, I gotta grab my chair again. Okay. Um... So y'all have to forgive me because my back went out three days ago. So there's various positions that are more comfortable than others. I get it. This is the first time that I get it. It's a different, it's a different set. No, not just that. Not just that. I get why you just read why there has to be a rapture and a second before a third coming. Because we have to get out of the way. Because we have to get out of the way for God to finish dealing with Israel. Right. Do you guys get that? Oh my gosh, this is the most revelation red pill moment that we've had. Like, this is huge for understanding the modern end times theory. I'm going to move this over here just a touch. Look, you see my hand there. Oh, no, I went too far. Um, From understanding the modern end times theory, I get it now. Do you guys get it? I want to hear in the chat, like if you've been following and you're with us and this is week eight and you're like, I've been following modern end times theory with the rapture before a seven year tribulation. I guys, I need to be totally honest. I've never read. I've never held a Schofield reference Bible in my hand. It's hard to understand dispensations when you just hear pieces of it because no one would come up with all of this on their own from just reading the Bible. It's a pick and a choose, okay? And, And what people have done is read the study notes and then go look for scriptures to back up the study notes rather than the scriptures but proving the truth. This whole time, I couldn't figure out what was the need for that rapture before the seven-year tribulation. Because he has to punish Israel and do because the, all of Revelation Because this interim Israel. level that we are, the Christians of the past 2,000 years, we're just a holding tank, mm-hmm. essentially, of what God's doing. Right. We got to get out of the way. Right. And then God finishes this work that he did. Because it's because if you read seven, if you read Matthew 24, it's not wow, done yet, wow, wow, wow. then that's punishment for Israel. Yeah. Okay. And we have to get out of the way for that because we can't we can't be punished with them because we didn't do it. Do you get it? Okay. Charles Rye, uh, Rye calls this distinction of Israel and the church the primary one of the three essentials, which are the theological system of dispensationalism. He cites the first president of Dallas Theological Seminary, the disciple of Schofield, Lewis Schaefer, Sperry Schaefer, who says that the dispensationalist believes that throughout the ages, God is pursuing two distinct purposes, one related to the earth. And let me remind you, this is taken from that PDF uh, historian, that paper that we did last time. Um, I believe I have it up in one of my tabs. If you want to put that in the in the chat, it's that's a really great resource that everybody should have. I should actually have it up on our our website because the, this this author of this uh, uh, thesis paper has done amazing research. It's just phenomenal. Um, do you can you find that for them? Put it in the chat. I think it's in my other window. It's the PDF one. Yep. All right. The real. Um, 
All right. So that one related to the earth with the earthly people and the earthly objectives involved, which is Judaism, while the other is related to heaven with the heavenly people and heavenly objects, which is Christianity. Is this it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The real point of disagreement centers on the relationship between believers in the church and believers in other ages. So we're not the same with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Ruth and all those people. Dispensationalism teaches that there are two distinct bodies, two distinct bodies. Okay. And they teach that the one body will yeah. all come into the kingdom because they're born of the flesh. They will all be born again. Like they'll get a second chance. These if they are the didn't Jews. have faith. Yes. If they didn't have faith for God, if they didn't have any righteousness, if they didn't try to follow, follow God, does it matter? And then throughout the ages, all Jews will just come to know Jesus, will come, are going to heaven yeah. under dispensationalism. Okay. Um, according to dispensationalism, believers who died prior to Pentecost are not part of the body of Christ, the church. Reformed theology teaches that the believers of all ages are part of the body of Christ. This is the heart of the debate between dispensationalists and non-dispensationalists. There are premillennial non-dispensationalists, by the way. Because this is a hard thing to swallow. It is. It is. Is there one body of believers who are, uh, or are there two body believers? John Hagee, pastor uh, of Cornerstone Church in San Antonio, we, we grew up listening to that guy, agrees with the two peoples of God, but departs from his agreement with a literal hermeneutic by seeing this um, two peoples distinctive in scripture. He goes to Genesis twenty two seventeen, 17, which refers to Abraham's descendants as being numerous. This is interesting. So John Hagee says, get this, Abraham's descendants will be numerous as the stars in the sky, and that's the church, and the sand of the sea, and that's Israel. What? Because the stars in the sky is the heavenly, and the sand are on the earth. That just sounds mean. That is just mean. John Hagee, how about you be the sand? Um, yeah, so... <laughs> oh, my goodness. Are we still on Darby? I got his picture up. So. Uh, yeah, 60... I are, mean, Schofield. Yeah, because we're still in the Schofield Reference Bible. Yeah. Again. Hagee is so certain of these two people's two programs, one earthly, one heavenly theology, that he advocates not trying to uh, convert the Jews to believe in Jesus... He says that it is time for Christians everywhere to recognize that the nation of Israel will never convert to Christianity and join the Baptist church in their town. The idea that the Jews of the world are going to convert and storm the doors of Christian churches is a myth. Don't even bother. They're all going to come to Jesus later. Well, guess what? You made, they made, so do, do they come to Jesus? Like, let's say they die, one dies tomorrow. Do they get a chance to come to Jesus Absolute, at some point? Absolutely. When the, when the resurrection happens, all Jews go to heaven. So it just doesn't matter. Every person that's ever been a Jew goes to heaven. Mm -hmm. This, I cannot mm -hmm. with these people. Yeah. All Israel will be saved. That's what they say. Even though Paul says they are not all Israel, Israel who is Israel's inside. Then they're not all of the circumcision. I can think of some really bad kings in the Old Testament. I don't think they're getting saved. It was accounted to Abraham. Righteousness was accounted to Abraham by faith. Mm -hmm. You must have had faith. You had to have faith at some point. Okay. He asks, if God intended for Jesus to be the Messiah for Israel, why didn't he authorize Jesus to use supernatural signs to prove he was God's Messiah, just as Moses had done? 
Peggy takes his point uh, further than any other to the extent of asserting that Jesus was ne never offered to be the Messiah to the Jews. Huh? He never offered that. He never told. He John Hagee in Dispensationalism basically says Jesus really never came to say he was the Messiah. Never really came to prove it. Uh oh. So he will later though. And then they'll get the chance. This is apostasy. Yeah. These people, I'm, John Hegge may go to hell for that one. Essentially saying that Jesus never came and said to the Jews, he came and he said, you have rejected me. I have come. You have rejected me. Was Peter a Jew? Yeah. Didn't Jesus come for him? Yeah. What did Paul say? I'm a, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I'm a Jew of all Jews. Oh my goodness. I can't. All right. So I want to go over here to some of the, the Schofield um, teachings. And I'm actually going to go down. If you guys follow the Margaret McDonald Irving blog. Before we move on though. We're not, okay. I've got a question in the chat. It's a very valid question. Okay. I have a question. I had a Schofield Bible for the past 40 years. Mm -hmm. And when I compare scripture to scripture in Bible studies, they are very similar, if not exactly so. Are you talking about the, and then the sentence isn't finished, but I think we can kind of finish your, your question there. What we're talking about are these the study notes, the study notes. I don't, we're nobody's saying that the Schofield reference, the Schofield reference Bible is translated mostly correctly. Yeah. It's the study notes. And I'm really glad that you um, asked that because we are going to, um, we're going to, we're going to go down to, to some of that right now. But before Amen. I do, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I'm just, I'm reading the, Bella says you just need a mustard seed worth of faith. Yeah. So I also, I'm going to insert here a little bit more on the Lotus Club that Schofield was initiated into. So Schofield was offered a membership in the Lotus Club in New York, a prestigious club in the literary circles of the United States catering to non-Christians. This was not a club in which one applied for membership. Rather, you had to be invited. You had to have a sponsor. And everyone in this very, very, very exclusive club um, had to, I think um, Mark Twain was part of this club, had to have a sponsor. But there was another guy who was part of this club. You'll see in a minute. The answer to how Schofield got into the club is a, uh, a guy who wrote um, the uh, incredible Mr. Schofield, Canfield. And he says it was Samuel Uttermeyer. Untermeyer. So Canfield focuses on the evidence in existence about C.I. Schofield's unlikely membership in the artistic and literary exclusive New York Lotus Club. These are people who would have rubbed, they, they literally, um, these were the people that helped put people into office. They helped get Woodrow Wilson into office. Okay. They rub shoulders with the most elite people in Think the entire Davos. Yes, you know exactly. That whole kind of gang. Samuel Untermyer, who I'm going to tell you guys about. We t I told I talked a little bit about him last week. He was a, a high profile lawyer. He was the most a high profile lawyer in America. Mm -hmm. Imagine the most high profile lawyer in America, and and he signs on to have Schofield part of the secret club. Okay. Like Some people shape. have said that C.I. Schofield was a Mason. This is way worse than Masons. Mm -hmm. This is a legit group with one guy in it who was the quintessential American Zionist. He was a Jew, by the way, Samuel Untermeyer. 
Um, and he did everything he could to get America into World War, World War II and to get the Jews a homeland. Mm -hmm. And the Schofield Reference Bible was just what they needed to get American evangelicals to get on board to create the nation of Israel. Okay? Dun, dun, dun. So uh, Samuel uh, uh, Untermeyer, he uh, got paid the most for any uh, case in American history, up to that point, it was $1 million. That was huge back then. Mm -hmm. All right. So the other act of 1901 was that according to the principles of the brother and the Plymouth brethren should have made John Nelsey Darwin spin his grave. Schofield was admitted to membership in the Lotus Club in New York City. So John Nelson Darby and the exclusive brethren pulled out of the world. They had admirals stop being in the Navy. They had magistrates Stop being magistrates. Like we're going to, we are so spiritual. Jesus is coming back right now. We're pulling out of everything. Okay. But very interestingly, John Nelson Darby dies and the Plymouth brethren and the exclusive brethren, they take on a new kind of mantle, which is we got to make Israel state. We got to get all these Jews into Israel. We have to get this message out there. So they help, uh, they help fund, fund. Yeah. Schofield's Schofield. reference Bible. Bible. They help, they did it actually. And you know how, when someone signs onto a bill in Congress or whatever, I'll sign on to your bill mm -hmm. as long as you slip this in there. There were a lot of people of influence slipping things into the Schofield Reference Bible. Yeah, okay. So Schofield was admitted to the membership in the Lotus Club in New York City. Now such a step was in complete conflict with the standard Plymouth Brethren working interpretation of 2 Corinthians 6.14. Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. They weren't supposed to hang out. They weren't even supposed to hang out with other Christians. The Lotus Club is an exclusive club of a sort uh, of more common in London, so often described in British literature. The phenomenon, while present in the United States, has never developed on this side of the Atlantic to the extent it did in England. The club's purpose, as noted in Article 1, Section 2, was the primary object of this club shall be to promote social intercourse amongst journalists, artists, and members of the musical and dramatic professions and representatives, amateurs, and friends of literature, science, and fine arts. The club's literacy committee, when Schofield's application was presented, included Samuel Untermeyer. A notorious criminal lawyer, Untermeyer's accomplishments described in the Who's Who's of America take up more than two columns. There is not one activity listed which would suggest that Untermeyer could have appreciated either Schofield's Bible Correspondence Course or his magazine, The Believer. Untermeyer's life was so remote from the circles of what, in which Schofield normally moved that we must remain amazed that Untermeyer would have given Schofield the white ball rather than the black ball. A possible clue. Schofield's postponed kingdom theory, of which more anon many Christians hold that theory to be without scripture basis, uh, was most helpful to getting fundamental Christians to back the international interest in one of Untermeyer's pet projects, the Zionist movement. It, defines, it defies understanding that an obscure pastor from the hinterlands, whose literary output up to 1901 consisted of very sectarian booklets, articles, and courses, would be considered acceptable in the Lotus Club. Indications are that he, Reed or Samuel Untermeyer, had they seen any of his works, they would have reacted with raucous laughter. 
Schofield kept up his membership in the Lodos until his death in 1921. The membership was not referred to in any obituary or eulogy. Wow. The dispensationalist community, community knew nothing of it. He was part of an elitist secret club, and they wanted him in there. The club was given as Schofield's residence in 1912 in the Who's Who's of America. The 1905 letter to Gabelaine, the Plymouth Brethren contact that helped Schofield keep in contact with the Plymouth Brethren over across the pond, was written on the Lotus Club stationery. Canfield writes, the selection of, Scho of Schofield for admission to the Lotus Club, which could not have been uh, sought by Schofield, strengthened the suspicion, which has cropped up before, that someone was directing the career of C.I. Schofield. Such, and that would be par for the course for a guy who left his wife, left his kids, and was a notorious scammer, stealing money from people all the time. Such direction probably was motivated by concerns remote from fidelity to the person, work, and truth of Jesus Christ. Samuel Untermeyer was a Jewish-American lawyer and civic leader, as well as a self-made millionaire. Untermeyer advocated the Zionist liberation movement and was president of the Kareen Hasoud, the agency through which the movement was then and still is conducted in America. Canfield says the Bible project was not originally based on the sort of a broad spectrum of Christian constituency. It was supported from a select group who were economically able to finance special ideas and rid, ride ideological hobbies. He is talking about Schofield's reference Bible. Again, Canfield says the selection of Schofield for admission to the Lotus Club, which could not have been sought by Schofield, strengthened the suspicion, which has cropped up before, that someone was directing his career. Such direction probably was motivated by concerns. Okay, this is, the, this is a comment here. Without that directing and help, Schofield probably would not have gotten his reference Bible published by the Oxford University Press, whose prestige helped sell the book and its ability to transmit the dispensationalist man-made theological system to millions of American and English Christians since 1909. And many American dispensationalist missionaries to other nations have planted dispensationalist churches in other lands. The publication of the Schofield Reference Bible in 1909 is one date in history that marks the beginning of the spread of dispensationalism and its process of becoming the, the dominant theology in evangelical denominations, a leavening going on over time. Now, many dispensationalists argue for a literal hermeneutic based on Christ's first coming. They state that since his first coming was a literal fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, it serves as evidence that all Old Testament prophecy should be interpreted literally. But when we look into the New Testament, we find that it can present Christ and his enthronement in a spiritual sense as well. This undercuts the literalism argument in that it shows that prophecies regarding Christ's first coming are not always invariably literalistic. For instance, in Acts 2, we find a classic an eschatologically relevant spiritual fulfillment of the Old Testament in the apostolic era. Peter interprets the divinic kingdom prophecies in general in Acts 2.30 and Psalms, and you can show this to people if they want, uh, 16. I'm not going to be able to pull up okay. all those. No, you don't have to bring them up. I'm just going to bring up the blog. Oh, yeah. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him 
that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor his flesh to see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Here, Peter declares that David promised the enthronement of Christ when he spoke of his resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ begins his state of exaltation, which ends his earthly state of humiliation, and it is the beginning of his kingly enthronement. From Pentecost until the end of history, Christ is enthroned and reigning as a king. Jesus is not awaiting a future literal enthronement in a dispensational millennium. I'm going to move down a little bit um, and kind of skip over some literalism. And let's go to some of these um, Schofield Reference Bible um, well, I wanna, problems. Oh, go ahead. I want to just bring people, you know, if, if you're listening, that Leah just issued a whole lot of stuff. And essentially what we are finding with everything that Leah just read, to sum it up very, very briefly, he was controlled. Imagine your favorite podcaster out there or whatever, whoever it is. And then you find out that they've, and, and they've Charlie been issuing. And they <laughs> They have been getting paychecks from Davos. They've been involved in these kind of yeah. higher up, you know, like you would be like devastated. Yes. You would be and devastated. And you followed them and you believe them. And then you would have and you to make start life to second, choices. Second guess and question, wait, what did they say that I believed? Yeah. And then you have to rework it. That's what we're looking at here. We've got pretty much the modern church as a whole, not all of them, but a lot, believing something about the last days and the end times that came from a guy that was controlled to put out a Bible with reference notes. Hoping that you just That read were outlandish. Notes. Yeah. And it changed the course of everything. So let's get into some of those things that are outlandish. Let's I do want it. to prove it, not just not All right. Just, okay. So an essential pillar of premillennialism is the Jewish fable that physical Jews must yet possess physical land in the Middle East to fulfill the promises of God. First, and let it be known to all men, Israel already did possess all the land according to the conditional covenant by which God gave it to them, for he is righteous. Second, from Abraham onward, the spiritual seed knew that heaven was the real fulfillment of any land promises. Okay, for none of them were seduced in the desert in Palestine. No true Jew would worry about the strip of land beside the Mediterranean called Israel when he had already come into union with Mount Zion, the city of the living God, and the heavenly Jerusalem above. Schofield says, page 250, the Palestinian covenant gives the conditions under which Israel entered the land of promise. It is important to see that the nation has never, never as yet taken the land under the conditional Abrahamic covenant, nor has it ever possessed the whole land. Now, the scripture proving that false is Joshua and the, 21. And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. And then Nehemiah 9, 7 through 8, thou art the Lord Art the Lord, the God, who did choose Abraham and made a covenant with him to give the land to the Canaanites and has performed your words for you are righteous. And then there's a load of other scriptures. Now, um, I believe on Sunday we did a whole teaching on how the land promises apply to us now. And we did that on Sunday. So I don't have time to go into that That's right good. now. The New Testament uses kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God as clear synonyms, but Schofield divided them, okay, uh, to preserve the Jewish uh, fable of a future kingdom 
on earth under the Messiah's reign in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit's expressions are wise synonyms, for it was the God of heaven that set up the kingdom, justifying both names, Daniel 2, 44. John and Jesus used both names to announce the time was fulfilled and the Messiah's kingdom was at hand at the same time. There is only one kingdom set up by the God of heaven, and it is here to say. Schofield says on page uh, 1003, The kingdom of God is to be distinguished from the kingdom of heaven in five respects. And see, that's that's where another one of their teachings comes from. So if you see kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, it's two different things. So it's hard to even differentiate that. Matthew 19 says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. So he's there just, just together. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, same sentence. And Schofield says they're two different things. He's liar. a liar. He's a liar. He's an absolute liar. And you have to wonder, did he read, ever read his Bible? No. And then you know what? Maybe he didn't read it at all. Somebody may have just told him what to put in there and he just wrote it down. I wonder how many people read the Schofield Reference Bible and actually recognize these things. Well, maybe they're not reading the references. They're reading about them. They're hearing them preached in their church every Sunday. Mm -hmm. Every Sunday, it seems like. Schofield presumed the kingdom of heaven to be a future reign of Christ on earth. That's what he was saying, the future. Um, but John and Jesus announced the time had been fulfilled. The kingdom was then at hand. Men were entering in it, entering it, and it required conditions of obedience by those entering. This glorious event of his first advent is now 2,000 years past. Glory, the kingdom is here. Now, Woo! Schofield, in, in, on page 1010. The kingdom's here now. Ready, what is, ready to go. So Schofield says, John the Baptist was as great morally as any man born of a woman, but as to the kingdom, he but announced it at hand. The kingdom did not then come, but was rejected, and John was martyred, and the king presently crucified. Schofield on page 999, whenever the kingdom of heaven is established on earth, dot, dot, dot. Okay. This is so hard for me. So when John the Baptist is saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand... He was saying, it's not really here at hand. I'm lying to you. According to Schofield, yeah. Someone's lying. Mm. John or Schofield? You pick. Go ahead and read Luke, Luke 16. 16. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presses into it. Matthew 11, 12 says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now... The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. There are so many scriptures on the kingdom. Uh, we can skip that. Okay. Either John or lying. John is lying or Schofield's lying. I'm going with Schofield. God foretold. And by the way, just want to put in here. This is non-denominational. We're not. There's no denomination here. Okay. Yep. We're all on the same page. God foretold Elijah would come with a preparatory ministry for the Messiah in the final words of the Old Testament. And Jesus confirmed him as John the Baptist. So I do want to get to that. This is a very important scripture. I'm going to really uh, read it just real quick. It's, isn't it to the right? Malachi 4. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with wealth. A curse. So, uh, Schofield denied Jesus Christ's plain doctrine and promoted the well-known Jewish fable that Elijah would literally return. You know, I was told, or I believe somehow because of modern end times theory, that Elijah would come at Jesus's second coming. Like, not at the first coming, but at the second coming. 
Yeah. That's what I was taught. So what did Jesus say? Well, so let's read what Schofield said. Elijah to come again before the day of the Lord. And Christ confirms the specific and still unfulfilled prophecy of Malachi 4. Elias shall truly first come and restore all things. So essentially what he's saying is since all things aren't restored, then it could not have happened. Well, yeah, let's read some of these scriptures. All right, Matthew 11, uh, 14 through the 15. And if you will, will receive it, this is Elijah, which was for, you used King James, which was to come. And he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Matthew 17 says, but I say unto you that Elijah is come already, and they did not know him, but have done unto him whatever they wanted. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spoke unto them of John the Baptist. So who's lying? Jesus or Schofield? Schofield let cat. We need like an X. Oh, I don't so have an X. we had John or Schofield. Yeah. Now we have Jesus or Schofield. Right. There's one more. Luke 1 said. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom. So of it, the that best. was the prophecy of uh, John the Baptist when she, he was um, in Elizabeth. Yep. All right. Jesus promised to take the kingdom from the Jews and give it to the Gentiles. And Paul declared that both Jews and Gentiles make up the body of Christ. Nowhere is an earthly kingdom offered, especially to the Jews. When Paul wrote to Israel, he told them the gospel kingdom was all they could expect. I'm going to go ahead and read that in Hebrews uh, 12. Here, go ahead. But you are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks of better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaks, for if they escaped not who refused him, they spake on earth, okay. much more okay. shall we not escape. Okay. So what does Schofield say? Schofield says, according to the prophets, Israel, regathered from all nations, restored to her own land and converted, is yet to have her greatest earthly exaltation and glory. And then he also says, Israel as a nation always has its own place and yet to have its greatest exaltation as the earthly people of earthly. God. Earthly. Earthly. What does Matthew 21 say? Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to the nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And Hebrews 12 says... Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably and with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. The prophecies of David's son sitting on David's throne forever were fulfilled in Jesus Christ at his ascension to heaven, where he was highly exalted and set down on the throne of David as the blessed and only uh, potent. Peter declared unequivocally that David's prophecy was fulfilled at the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ, which all the hearing Jews understood. There is not a reason in the world to think there is any difference between Jesus Christ's throne and God's throne in Revelation 3.21, since Jesus and his Father are one, as, as he declared repeatedly. What was the glorified Christ doing with the key of David if he had not, no right to his throne? What were the apostles building up the tabernacle of David for through the gospel if the throne over the kingdom was empty, the sure mercies of David, a king on his throne forever, were realized at Christ's resurrection. But Schofield says, This passage in Revelation 3.21 in harmony with Luke and Matthew and Acts and all these references here is conclusive that Christ is not now seated upon his own throne. The Davidic covenant and the promises of God through the prophets and the angel Gabriel concerning the messianic kingdom await fulfillment. This is Judaizing. 
this is what a Jew would teach. This is what a this is what somebody who didn't believe. This is why I tell everybody, Jesus you has are waiting, not come. You're waiting for another Messiah. Come on. You're waiting for another Messiah to say that Jesus is not sitting on his throne. He's not sitting on David's throne. So let's finish the scripture and then I got a thought. Acts 2 actually says, Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Jesus to sit on his throne. Oh, wait, and so read that again. He would raise up Jesus to sit on his throne. And seeing this before he spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus has God raised up. Wherefore, we are all witnesses, therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he says himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit upon my right hand until I make my thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Lord and Christ is the Messiah. The Messiah has come. He is reigning. Where is Jesus, by the way, if he's not seated on the throne? Just in the clouds somewhere? Kind of. The, the dispensationalism says Satan's still on his throne. Jesus isn't on his throne. So, But we know that we reign as kings and priests. So we reign more than Jesus? Right. I don't know that Schofield would say that we reign as kings and priests, actually. Because want... Schofield doesn't... Re this, this is not... These study notes are so unbiblical. The books should be all burned. So, Leah, question. When you're getting these quotes, we do know that Schofield's words sometimes were so anti-biblical that they were that, that they had to rewrite them mm -hmm. um, so that they had to take them out. What we're quoting here is, is these, the original Schofield. is the original. So I want you guys to 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 grasp something here. If you have a Schofield reference Bible, note that- I think in 1960 somewhere, a few, but not a lot. Note that some of these more outlandish things that we're reading have been taken out. But okay, Michelle, well, if they've been taken out, then what's the, what's the problem? The entire scope of what people believe in modern end times theory comes from this guy putting all of this together right. in this new Bible. And it's brand new because before that, the church for 2,000 years believed that we were seated and God was seated and the church should advance. Yeah. This camera's bugging me. I'm gonna fix That's it. why Schofield said the church needs to know that they're not advancing. Right. You need to suffer persecution. You need to be poor and destitute. Right. James, inspired by the Holy Ghost, declared that the conversion of the Gentiles fulfilled the prophets. And he applied Amos 9 to prove that David's kingdom was being rebuilt by Gentile converts. It is profane heresy for Schofield to take this inspired fulfillment of the first century and throw it into the distant future and to take a spiritual fulfillment in Christ and to per pervert it to, for a carnal kingdom on earth. His perversion of this passage totally destroys James' argument and the true fulfillment of Amos. As promised earlier, Jesus Christ transferred the kingdom from the Jews to the Gentiles, Schofield says. Dispensationally, this is the most important passage in the New Testament. After this, viz. the outcalling, I will return. James quotes from Amos 9. The verses which follow in Amos describe the final regathering of Israel, which the other prophets invariably connect with the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant 
and will build again the tabernacle of David, i.e. reestablish the Davidic rule over Israel. So Amos 9 says, In that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen, and close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins, and, and I will build it as in the days of old. He says that is the most important scripture in the entire Bible. Which goes to show what is the motive of modern end times theory. And he says, and that they may possess the remnant of Eden and all of the heathen, which are called by my name, says the Lord. So, so Israel's got to Israel's going heathen. to have a king again. And possess all the heathen. Like a literal world. throne and ruling Jesus, the world. And Jesus will sit on it. Their Messiah right. will come. Right. This is this is the Zionist teaching. Which is actually... The, Zionists, uh, the Jews are still waiting for their Messiah to come. But, and they believe that they rule the world. But here's the thing, though. When we, when we break this down... He's essentially saying exactly what the disciples said to him. Hey, you're going to come and you're going to really sit on your throne, right? You're right. going to really come and do this. And Jesus is like, my no. kingdom is not of this world. world. So Acts says, I don't know what it says. Simon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets. As it is written, after this, I will return and build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof. And I will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, says the Lord, who does know all these things known unto God are all his works in the beginning of the world. So, so this includes Jesus is literally by his own mouth, including the Gentiles and Schofield is excluding them. Well, it's um, it's Acts. Um, 15, and I think it was James. So James inspired oh, by me. the Holy thank Ghost. You, thank you, thank you. So yeah. James, what my favorite thing to do, the reason I can't, really came to the Revelation Red Pill yeah. was when I started to see the, re the scripture references. Mm -hmm. So when I would see something fulfilled in the New Testament, I would go back to the Old Testament, and when there were, and when um, one of the disciples would quote an Old Testament scripture and say, this is now, right. this is that which... You know, there is no more latter days, by the way. Joel is fulfilled. Right. Because Peter says, this is that which was spoken. And he doesn't say, and it will happen again. There's no new prophecy of that. This is that which was spoken of the prophet Joel. Your sons and daughters will see dreams and visions. Okay. This is, we are in, we're in the latter days. We're in those days. We're always in them. And James himself is saying, Amos is fulfilled. And Schofield is saying, no, it's not. Those are two diametrically opposed outlooks. So again, I have to say, is James right or is Schofield right? Because somebody's lying. We're going to go with James. Okay, we're going to check Mark James there. Abraham understood God's covenant with him far better than Schofield ever dreamed. He rejoiced to see, and I don't think it was Schofield. Sco I believe Schofield spent so much time in England. I believe the Plymouth Brethren had all these teachings out mm -hmm. and Schofield put his name on it because the Plymouth Brethren were already tainted. These exclusive brethren, they were pretty kind of, they didn't want to put their name on it. It had to be an American. It had to be an American, an American who was very much into this uh, cause. Okay. So Abraham understood God's covenant with him far better than Schofield ever dreamed. He rejoiced to see Jesus Christ. He sought heaven, not the sandy wasteland of the Mediterranean. Paul told the Gentiles of Galatia that they were the true seed of the promise of Abraham and that physical Jews were to be connected to the rejected Hagar and Ishmael. Jesus told the Jews, trusting in Abraham, that they were the children of the devil. Schofield says that the Christian now inherits the distinctive Jewish promises is not 
taught in scripture. Galatians 3. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He says not and to seeds as of many, but as of one and to thy seed, which is Christ in Galatians 3, 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have been put, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ. And if you be in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Jews, Greeks, Male, female, mm. you're all heirs and you're all heirs according to the promise of Abraham. But Schofield says no. And Abraham had the land promise. But let's... Re so here's the thing. We inherit the planet. We inherit the world. We come into the body of Christ and now all, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Schofield's saying here, that the Christian now in, now inherits the distinctive Jewish promise is not taught in scripture is a liar. So now he's contradicting Paul. Everywhere you turn, this guy is contradicting Paul. We've got Paul now, James, John, and Jesus. Who's right here and who's wrong? Now, this is a lie. Let's keep in mind, he's not actually alone in this. So this is Darby. And Schofield, these teachings and the whole Plymouth Brethren and all and of Brooks, it, this is, and it goes on to Dwight L. Moody, which and you would have to listen to our previous episodes to catch up on all of that. But you get it. He's not alone. He's just the one that codified it. No, when we say Schofield, we're saying the Schofield reference Bible. He was not alone when he wrote this. This was the distinctive Plymouth Brethren who were Zionists. Yep. And I believe they were, um, I, I can't, I, I, I don't know. It's very strange. Schofield assigned Israel's salvation to a future work of Jesus coming out of Zion. But Paul quoted Isaiah 5920, where the future tense is Isaiah's, not Paul's. Jesus Christ finished the work of salvation in AD 30, and he immediately took the news to the Jews. Only part of the nation will be saved anyway, the elect remnant of, of within the nation. Schofield says, the promised deliverer will come out of Zion and the nation will be saved. The promised deliverer will come out of Zion and the nation will be saved. So he is saying that future, future. And Matthew says, and she shall bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he shall save all of his, save his people from their sins. All right. Schofield's great tribulation is a perversion of the 70 week, 70th week of Daniel. And y'all come coming to me with the 70th week. There is not a word in the Bible about Jewish missionaries coming out of it. Consider the great tribulation was fulfilled in eighty seventy, according to our Lord and the uh, robed multitude that came out of the great tribulation were the Gentiles out of the nations. Schofield says during the great tribulation, a remnant out of all of Israel will turn to Jesus as Messiah and will become his witnesses after their removal of after the removal of the church. And then, of course, Matthew 24 says, I tell you, this generation shall not pass until all these things be fulfilled. Here is another example of Schofield's blasphemy against Jesus Christ. The great mystery of godliness is God's manifestation in human nature in the person of Jesus Christ. But Schofield presumes to identify the, the great mystery as the process by which men are restored to God likeness. When were men ever like God and when shall we ever be like God again? And what in the world is this heretic talking about from this text? Page uh, 10, 14. A mystery in scripture is a previously hidden truth now divinely revealed, but uh, in which a supernatural element still remains despite the revelation. The greater mysteries, the mystery of the process by which God likeness is restored to man. Hmm. I'm going to be God like. 
There's godliness. All right, we're going to move on. The blessed uh, God of heaven shook the religious world in the time of the Reformation. Time of Reformation. Sorry, not that Reformation. The days beginning with John and ending with the apostles when he replaced the Old Testament worship with New Testament worship. Paul declared plainly that God had shaken away the Old Testament and the new was now in place to never be shaken or removed. The future tense was uh, Haggai's, not Paul's. The event was passed to Paul and the Hebrews, leaving a kingdom which would never be altered. Schofield says... Uh, the Haggai one. I will, yeah, I will. Sh I will shake all nations. Refers to the great tribulation and is followed by the coming of Christ in glory, as in Matthew 24, 29 and thirty. Haggai is was already fulfilled. Hebrews twelve says, and go just the, the. Okay. Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly mm -hmm. fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Yeah, there are only two Jerusalem temples, Solomon's and Zerubbabel's. They are called the former and the latter by Haggai. They are called the first house and this house by Ezra. Schofield is wrong for an evil purpose because he must have a temple in some imagined future tribulation period. But God has already sent the desire of all nations to Zerubbabel's temple in the person of Jesus Christ who made peace with God. So here he is talking about the third temple. In a sense, all the temples, Solomon's, Ezra's, Herod's, that which will be used by the unbelieving Jews under covenant with the beast. And Ezekiel's future kingdom temple are treated as one house, the house of the Lord, since they all profess to be that. Haggai 2.9 says, The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, says the Lord of hosts. But many of the priests and the Levites and chief of the fathers, who were ancient men that had see seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, wept with a loud voice and many shouted aloud for There are only two temples. Herod just renovated the second one, by the way. Any child, especially a God-fearing one, knows the 70th week began right after the end of the 69th from Daniel. Schofield fusses that the length of a week must be seven years based on the other weeks, but he inserts a 2,000-year gap, and this is the gap theory, and God bless his heart. Who's the creationist guy that we love? Uh, he went to jail for tax evasion. Oh, yeah. Um, he Hovind. Ho, yeah, Kenneth Hovind. He sat down with Gary DeMar with his charts talking about this gap week and it's so embarrassing. He um he got into dispensationalism while he was in prison. And this is this became his obsession. Uh, but anyways, and and honestly, the, I think it's because he was persecuted and he just wanted a way out. Just to Jesus come rescue me. Mm -hmm. Since 69 weeks only brought us to the Messiah, all his works were in the 70th. Jesus Christ confirmed the covenant with many for one week, and he died in the midst of the 70th week for others, even the elect, ending the sacrificial system and bringing in everlasting righteousness. Woo! <laughs> Schofield says, when the church age will end and the 70th week begin is nowhere revealed. Its duration can be but seven years. To make it more violates the principle of interpretation already confirmed by fulfillment. This is important part to stop on in Revelation Red Pill, so I'm going to make us big. Okay. Because... We have not yet gotten to Daniel's 70 weeks, and right. we're going to do a whole episode, maybe two, on that. Why is this important? Maybe you're a, a Christian, but you've really never understood or studied end time. So we say Daniel's 70 weeks, and you're like, what is that? What does that have to do with anything? Okay. Mm -hmm. Daniel's 70 weeks prophesies the Messiah and the coming and the, and the judgment and all of the things that, that Jesus came to fulfill, and it happens in a specific timeline. Now... 
when we say on the show, and we've been saying this since day one, mm-hmm. there is nowhere in the Bible a rapture combined with a seven-year tribulation, mm-hmm. and there is no seven-year tribulation in the Bible at all. So where did it come from? It comes from the fact that Schofield or whoever was controlling this Bible, but the Schofield reference Bible is essentially saying that each one of the weeks in Daniel's 70 weeks lasts for seven years. And well, that, no, 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 no. You're, you're getting two things conflated. That's what, that's what he just said. Well, yeah. Well, he just said that literally right here since 69 weeks only brought us, oh, wait, wait, wait. Schofield fusses that the length of a week must be seven years based on the other weeks. But he inserts a 2,000-year gap. I was getting to that. Okay, go ahead. We get scared if she thinks I'm getting in the weeds and I'm wrong, but I'm right about this. So seven years, 70 weeks, seven years. The 2,000-year gap, whatever. We're talking about the gap theory right now, but I'm backtracking and I want to talk about the seven-year tribulation because this is important for people to understand where it comes from. It comes from the fact that you can very clearly see the 70 weeks, seven years, and he's got seven years. And then in that last week, there's a 2,000-year gap, but those seven years are why he says it's a 2,000-year gap before we get to that 70th week, which he has already established is seven years, which is when we know after this 69th week comes the tribulation. Yeah. And so he says that that, that will last seven years. Mm-hmm. That's where the seven-year tribulation theory comes from. And now you know. I hope you wrote that down. Yeah. But Mark, uh, Jesus says, and, and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. I think that was John the Baptist. Uh, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake uh, of him to all that looked for redemption in Israel. And these were the prophecies of Jesus as a baby. Not to mention, and I'll add my own, the Bible mm-hmm. says that Jesus came to fulfill all the law and the prophets. Like, he did mm-hmm. that while he was But the here. gap is just ridiculous. And it's not prophesied. Uh, Was Schofield the first to insert a 2,000-year gap? Or was the Schofield reference Bible, I mean, the first to codify it? Meaning, modern end times theory, the gap theory... He is is the first to say that there would be a um, a seven-year tribulation. Okay. That, from what I understand, he... May don't quote me on that one, because there's all there have always been premillennialists, and they, they do see Daniel's 70 week as not being fulfilled. But... Do they, but they, they don't really have like an established, but, no rapture. but I'm saying they don't have like an established, well, we're just going to say it's X amount of years. There's just this gap that happens or do they not really even talk about it? Do they address it? I don't know. That's don't a good know. question. That's a good question. Um, because there's been a lot of premillennialists and I don't, I'm just sure saying what on the gap theory, they have they, you have they ever really addressed here's, we believe Daniel 70 weeks isn't fulfilled. We can clearly see it happened up until the 69th week. And, and I know this will make a lot more sense when we actually cover it. We made it to the 69th week with Jesus's coming. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now this last week very clearly has not been fulfilled. And we believe it's going to last X a number of years. I'm sh- sure somebody had. I, I don't think that, that was a sticking point, but it might have been. Um, but there's never there, there's never been a rapture there for sure. Um, and there certainly wasn't a rapture here with a seven-year tribulation. Then they call it the tribulation. It's usually, um, 
without date. Because even the pilgrims in there talking about the tribulation, they believed that they were coming out of the tribulation. They believed it was a like a kind of an unknown period of time. So right. I don't believe that most people, if, if they did, it wasn't most. Um, the historicists did not. Um, the prophecy says nothing about ending national chastisement or reestablishing the nation in everlasting righteousness. But it does describe in six phrases the salvation work of the Lord Jesus Christ, whose death on the cross made an end of sins, made reconciliation for iniquity, and brought in everlasting righteousness, among other glorious results. And when, the, and when was Messiah cut off for others to accomplish these things? In the 70th week. Of course. All right, Schofield says... Within these weeks, the national chastisement must be ended and the nation reestablished in everlasting righteousness. The nation being Israel. Right. Uh, Hebrews says, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Is that a throne? Is that a kingdom? I don't know. Maybe the chair next to God is not a throne. It should be. Right? The right hand. Pretty right sure. hands usually. Yeah. I believe it's got Colossians. Be what does it say? Biblically, it's a throne. Uh, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. He reconciled things all to I'm himself. I'm reconciled. For Second Corinthians. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Schofield's confusion here is beyond comprehension. There's nothing in Matthew 12, 1 through 7 about a rejected savior or a rejected king. There is an object lesson of the true uh, Lord of the Sabbath, and there is the defense of his disciples eating on the Sabbath by David's example of eating the showbread on the basis of God's greater love for mercy than sacrifice. Schofield says, Jesus' action is highly significant. What David did refers to the time of his rejection and persecution by Saul. Jesus here is not so much the rejected Savior as the rejected King, hence the reference to David. That's very interesting. So he is referring to... Matthew 12, 1 through 7. And at that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn. His disciples were hungry. And he says, have you not read what David did when he was hungered? And they went with him. They they ate they ate some little grains on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do. So then he quotes what David did when they came back. And they were really, you know, hungry. And they ate the show. And bread. he's saying, that's very strange. What David did refers to the time of his rejection and persecution by Saul. Jesus here is not so much the rejected savior as the rejected king. Hence the reference to David. That's mm. some weird. I don't know where he's coming up with that. That's weird. Okay, Matthew 12 says, but he's... Okay, oh, we got that one. All right. We've all got a couple more here. We're going to move on to uh, uh, Crowley, I think. There is no point of change in the ministry of our Lord at this time, let alone a pivotal point. John and Jesus announced the kingdom, and men pressed in throughout their ministries. The kingdom message of the gospel was not interrupted at any point in time, for the Lord continued to preach the kingdom, and his apostles took it to the whole world after he ascended to heaven. But Schofield says, The new message of Jesus, the rejected king, now turns from re the rejecting nation and offers not the kingdom, but rest and service to such in the nation as our conscience of need. It is a pivotal point in the ministry of Jesus. That one I've never really heard. Like, not like that. And I've never heard a preacher preach that. What is what is Luke 16, 16? The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presses into it. So he's saying the new, new message of Jesus. The rejected king now, now turns from the rejecting nation and offers not the kingdom but rest and service to such in the nation as our conscience of need. 
So wait, he, wait, 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 so wait, he's wait, talking, wait, wait. still talking to Israelites, but he's saying, I can't be your king anymore. I'm going to have to come back later, do it all over again, be, and I'm just going to give you rest. And you can come and serve what? Are we serving a kingdom? His kingdom? What are we serving? Okay. Rest and service. This is a bold-faced, radically weird lie. It's so strange that no one even knows what he means. All right, Matthew 24. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. And verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. And but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. So the kingdom of God, this is all so Jewish, basically. It's like it's turning no Jesus into a pot to a to a prophet. Yeah, it's no Messiah. And it's almost like a compromise. Like you can have your Jesus to save you from your sins and you can go to heaven. But we are keeping the Old Testament. It's and so and weird. the Messiah. Right. You can have a savior, but we're keeping the Messiah. Yeah. And we're keeping the kingdom. It's so anti-biblical. And where in the scope of reference Bibles does it talk about the Christians coming into the kingdom? It doesn't. It says they don't. All right. So now we're back to the gap theory. Yeah. Schofield held to the gap theory. God created the... Oh, this is very interesting. This is a different gap theory. No, this one is that he doesn't believe in creation huh. as being six days and rest oh, on the I seventh. Oh, I forgot about that. So Schofield held to the gap theory. God created the heavens and the earth in the distant and undated past... And there was an intermediate gap of time until he created until he created the things expressly stated as created in Genesis chapter one. I believe he was an evolutionist. Sure. Okay. And that's probably why he, he was probably hung out with them. Well, if he's in this in literary club. if he's at the literary club, they're all Darwinian. Yeah. This is crazy. Okay. Um, Scripture gives no data for determining how long ago the universe was created. The first creative act refers to the dateless past. You guys get it. Okay, last one. Once a person concocts a man-made scheme of prophecy, he must alter the word of God to agree with it, as Schofield does here by adding an unknown concept to the Bible of a third coming of Jesus after a second coming. The Bible order of events is very plain. Okay, Schofield says. The theme of Second Thessalonians has unfortunately been obscured by a mistranslation, mistranslation. in the King James Version of 2-2, where day of Christ is at hand should be day of the Lord is present. The present letter then was written to instruct the Thessalonian Christians that are gathering together unto Christ will precede the day of the Lord. So in order to get what he's getting out of Second Thessalonians, gotta there's got to be a mistranslation. It's very strange. That's how it always That looks. is crazy. All right. So, a couple more things on, on Schofield that you might find interesting is that he was... And then we're going to get to Aliester yeah. Crowley, but we have to build upon this so you get the yeah. whole picture. I think... I don't know if I have that one up. So he was a racist. And I'm going to just bring up a few. So Schofield, C.I. Schofield was a racist. Mm -hmm. yeah. Why is this unsurprising for the fraud, the cad, the wife lever, the children lever, 
Let me, yeah. Let's look at let's let's look at this guy again. Okay, so C.S. Schofield built a scholarly reputation by promoting an anti-black, anti-Catholic, pro-Jewish theology. Um, telling more than a few war stories, Dr. Schofield perpetuated the commonly held plantation myth that slave owners cared for an inferior race of people out of love. In the life story, Dr. Schofield describes slavery as a kind patriarchal form no. where masters and mistresses loved one another. Um, as if he had personal knowledge, Schofield said he recalled more than one Southern family mortgaged its lands in order to continue to take care of its free but needy slaves. Schofield likely acquired his uh, patriarchal view of blacks during his years in Dallas, Texas, where the idea flourished among the elite whites. This uh, paternalistic view of society was fundamental to the lost cause vision of the South, and uh, Schofield canonized the idea in the Schofield Reference Bible. With a view towards African Americans, Schofield explained in his reference Bible note on Genesis 9.25 that the prophetic declaration is made that from Ham will descend an inferior and servile posterity, and those are African Americans. So when we talk about the unsavory parts that would have been removed from the Schofield Reference Bible, that would probably be one of them. Dr. Schofield's use of Southern rhetoric on race begs the question of whether he relied more on Confederate tradition or Oxford the theologians to edit some of his Bible notes. Uh, the view that the Bible somehow sanctioned black inequality did not originate with Cyrus Schofield. He did marry the idea with his prophetic interpretations by pointing towards black servanthood as the will of God in his Bible annotations. I related several notions towards African-Americans. This is from him. I related several notions towards African-Americans to Charles Trumbull, who included the story as a Confederate reminiscence, which this isn't his. Sorry. This is his. OK, so Charles Trumbull. Sorry, these are my own notes. I'm trying to read through them. Um, wrote a, a glowing book about Schofield, Schofield and Schofield sat down to be interviewed for it. OK, so there is a story that he tells in it. So the story Dr. Schofield told involved a formal dinner that both he and Senator Roscoe Conkling attended during the Reconstruction years. Senator Conkling arrived late to the dinner after some political uh, harangering with Harangering. Senator Charles Sumner from Massachusetts. In explaining his late arrival, Senator Conkling declared, the senior senator from Massachusetts, Sumner, has just been making his annual attempt to enact a law to abolish the distinction made by God Almighty between black and white. By characterizing the story as a Confederate recollection, Dr. Schofield left open the notion that he viewed Reconstruction as a futile endeavor since he seemed to believe the separation of races was divinely ordained. The podcasters can't see my reactions. You know, if you're just listening to Resistance Chicks, you're missing out on a lot. But I'm just, this is shocking. Mm. This, that, here's the deal. How come, how come the left woke people have not picked up the Schofield Reference Bible and blacklisted anyone that ever read it. Based on that, oh my gosh, it's so blatantly racist. He is essentially saying there is a distinction between white man and black man by God. But it's in the Bible. It's in that Schofield Bible. That Ham was the generation. Leah. Yeah. She's being sarcastic. Um, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that that's in the Bible. No, I know, but it's not in the Bible the way he's saying it's it, that in that's black Bible. people. Yeah, it's in his Bible. I'm losing an earring. What's wrong with you? I lost an earring. You need a back for it? Um, I guess so. I lost it. Okay, so 
now that we have really gone through scope. You're going to lose it if you don't have a back for it. Well, it says I only have one in. Now that we've really gone through the Schofield Reference Bible. And you get a little bit of an idea of the kind of the the Jewishness of it. And you get a, a little bit of an idea of how Darby was very dark uh, and very, inc you know, incessant about talking about the beast and the Antichrist and his kingdom and Satan's ruling and reigning. Right. Mm -hmm. So with Jesus not on his throne throughout the whole Schofield Bible, then Satan is ruling and reigning. Mm -hmm. OK. And if your whole view is waiting to the end of the world when the um, the bad guys are going to win and everything is going to go to hell in a handbasket, then the question that this is begs the question could somebody read into that and maybe want to be on the other side? Like some people watch movies. Like most of us, when we watch movies, if we're going to personify ourselves and like put ourselves in the movie, we do so with the hero. Mm -hmm. But there are people out there that literally every movie that they watch, they identify with the bad guy. Yeah. This is a real thing. Mm -hmm. So we've got... A, a theory, a story that's been been presented to us by C.I. Schofield. And Darby. Darby. And, so, and Darby. So who maybe would want to play I, the villain? Good question. Before I go there, this is a little bit more from John Darby to tell you about how he viewed this was, how this was going to come up. So about the Antichrist. Signs of the Antichrist. Uh, this is from John Darby. I'm going to skip down. I proceed to notice two characteristics of the evil power in the latter days, which may aid in this very simple, but which have much struck me. One has noticed some year, years back in Second Thessalonians 2.9, we have the statement that the presence of the wicked one will be with all power and signs and lying wonders. That is in all powers and signs and wonders of falsehood. If we compare that to Acts 2.22, we find that the blessed Lord is described as a man approved by God i.e. proved to be of him. His mission and truth proved by miracles, powers, wonders, and signs. That is, we have three things which were proofs of the truth in the missions of the Lord Jesus, attesting to the eyes of men the title of the wicked one. So what he's saying is that as Jesus came with signs and wonders, so the Antichrist would come with signs and wonders. Right. In this case, falsehood is, of course, added lying or falsehood, but this does not, as to the terribleness of the case of its character, alter it because men are given up then to believe falsehood or what is lying in their state it is a complete presenting of the proofs of christ if we turn to revelation 13 we have a circumstance uh uh, uh how do you say that word and an i lost it along an august to this which completes the horror of it he doth great wonders and signs that he makes fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men now reference 1 Kings 18 shows us that this was the grand and sovereign test of the prophet and messenger of Jehovah. Priests of Baal in vain essayed to, pro to produce this proof proposed by Elijah to make known who was the true God in the solemn declaration of the people. If Jehovah be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And to preclude any further halting between two opinions, it was decided that God that the God that answered by fire, he was to be God. And Elijah thereon prays that it might be evident also that he was Jehovah's prophet. But in these terrible days that are to come, this proof also is given by the false prophet. So what he is saying is that no person up till this false prophet has ever been able to have this kind of power. He will be given immense power and proofs that he's a prophet. 
that he can even call down fire. The beast. The beast. Yeah. That is the very thing which was the absolute and well-known test of Jehovah's power and mission of his messenger now credits to the false prophet. It is the in the sight of men, no doubt, but it is sufficient for its object. We have then that which bore witness to Christ's mission as of God, as Messiah on earth, that which was witnessed and tested of Elijah's messages coming and sent by Jehovah, both accrediting the pretensions of the wicked one and the false prophet. It is a frightful picture and testimony to the way in which they that dwell on the earth are given to the blindness in that day. I leave to be weighed by your readers the extent to which these circumstances give a Jewish character to the instruments and power of evil referred to in these passages, excluding any necess necessity to restrict it. So this is the this is the fear. Avengers. I'm thinking <laughs> of superhero movies, and yeah. I'm seeing the bad guy villain, and I'm thinking Thanos. Yeah. I'm thinking, and I'm sorry, you're going to have to forgive the childishness of my mm -hmm. comparison here, but I'm thinking he's got that snap and all of everything power, right? He's got the little gems on the knuckle and he can snap and end it all. I mean, this dude's been given the wickedest of all powers. So says John Darby. So says right? John Darby, yeah. And a little bit back to his uh, remarks as to the Antichrist. This is what they focused on. Just to let you know, all of his writings are about not the Bible. Just the beast of the Antichrist. And, and it just some keeps going over it and over and over and over and over and over and over. Like Hal Lindsey on repeat. It's insane. It's insanity. Okay, that's why I really haven't dived in, delved into it. Because it's so, it hurts my head. But just to give you one, just a little bit more of a, a foundation here. I shall consider, consider first the second beast in whom the energy of... Oh, wait, we read that one party. We shall see another character of this power in a moment. I, but I confine myself to this passage now. The character of the display of this power is frightful. Big, big bad dude. What the prophets of Baal could not do and what Elijah could not do. This is... No, what Elijah did. Yeah, what Elijah did as a constraining proof that Contrasting. Jehovah... The God... Uh, the Jehovah was a true God. He writes this over and over again. This is a separate writing. Okay. And he, this, the beast does at least in the eyes of men, besides other great signs, he seduces and deceives the inhabitants of the earth. And you guys have heard this, um, through the signs he was given to, to do before the beast, the beast would be content enough. And he knows this. The, isn't this so cool? He knows he has this knowledge The I'm going to read like this. The beast would be content enough to have such an energy to sustain and to support his throne. When does and the beast get a throne? Exalt and adorn. He just does. And adorn his authority in the eyes of men authority, which rested only in deceit and delusion of mind or persecution. The seducing prophet and power leads them on to adultery and gives breath to the image of the beast. So as to speak and have those killed who do not worship it. Thus, while sustaining the throne of Satan in the world, oh the God. second beast, while satanic in his language, speaking like the dragon, has the form of royalty and prophecy established by signs and such signs to the eyes of men as have earth sufficed to establish Jehovah's sole name and authority in the mind of Israel to the destruction of an incapable Baal. To aim, however, of all is the recognition of Satan's authority and him whom he has placed on his throne. But the energy which produces the effect on the minds of men is the second beast. While exercising power and bearing its form, the beast with the horns, still religious seduction 
and properly such as connects itself with ancient Jehovah testimony is what characterizes the second beast. He is spoken of in Revelation 19 as the false prophet. Boss! I'm on him. I, I know you are, but wait. If you are listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, but I'm not buying everything that you've been saying in the last seven episodes, including this one, but I certainly don't believe that. And that is not what my Bible says. And so yada, yada, yada. Let me tell you something. I just noticed on Amazon Prime, they've got that Omega Code and the mm -hmm. Megiddo and all those movies up in beasts. there. And oh, the, and it's the all Christ. in there. Yes. All this stuff that he is saying is in all these brainwashing It's all made moves. up, by the way. Movies. Okay, here we go. The first beast is evidently the great imperial Gentile power to whom the empire is given in the accustomed terms of scripture by with its healed head in its blasphemous state admired and owned by all not kept of God in sovereign grace and hating and blaspheming them with who had their tabernacle in heaven. His rise as that of other beasts had been is out of the general mass of men, the Gentile world at large out of the sea. And as it is expressed, besides this, we have in him uh, in, of heaven. What then is earth of which the second beast rises? There is no longer any pretension of heavenly association. All that is blasphemed. This religious-so prophetic influence will have its character and origin within the system and order of which subsists where Satan is and yet rules this earth. Ah! Satan rules. What is this satanic nonsense? I can't even speak it. Satan does not rule this earth, and I have to put a caveat to Darby's language here, because that's what, but that's what end timers believe. Oh, they geez. truly believe, and so I'm, I'm, I'm holding my back. But even You're spitting these words out is disgusting. But we're gonna move on. I, I want you to know, because I'm setting this up. You're gonna, you're gonna see it. I'm setting this up. Satan rules. Oh! Ah. Okay. Here we go. But not in Jesus' name. I gotta put a caveat on that. So, uh, all right. He is proper. He is the proper present energy of Satan to lead the world to recognize the throne which he has been able to set up here in the first beast, which had its origin uh, uh, providentially in the world. Providentially is a good God thing, sent by the way. that beast there in the world like other previous beasts. The second beast is earthly and Jewish in character. Okay, Jew. Uh, where we go? Jewish in character. Can you imagine people reading this in the 1880s? Ah, but it is by present power signs and delusions, not as is evident by the law and the testimony uh, that he acts. I would now turn to another passage where the last form of evil is spoken of and see what is its character here. Second Thessalonians two. Here we can hardly doubt on reading verse nine that there is a connection with the false prophet. But let us examine the passage. Now, remember, there's no connection in the Bible between the false prophet and, and, and the Antichrist. Well, he's making I mean, and, and the beast. The beast, by the way. Okay. Uh, the beast and the false prophet are in Revelation, but the Antichrist mm -hmm. is not. There's, there's no connection there. They're making that connection. But let us examine the passage. There is a falling away down here, as there is. On the other hand, a gathering together of the saints in Christ. The heavenly church takes its own place as gathered up in its head. And the falling character also is displayed, however wicked and audacious. Secular power is not spoken of. But first, it's in 
pious and then its seductive character. He is characterized as the man of sin and the wicked one, whom a mystery of iniquity were here given. Uh, the two perish together and falling away, it is evident, refers to that which had the name of Christianity, though it goes much further than its mere rejection. There is an active energizing personage bearing the title of Judas. <laughs> who resists, opposes, and exalts himself against all called God or which is an object of veneration. He is an ardent antagonist of divine authority and sets up as Adam to be God and more. He wills our ruin. I think I see then in verse three and four, the moral character of this wicked power he thinks he sees acting upon others and showing the energy of his will and hostility and setting aside of God rather than the object of deference or honor on the throne. He is what fills the scene morally when the apostasy takes place, the active energy which works in man. It is the man of sin, man against God, pretending to be or showing himself as though he were God upon earth. The contrast of Christ who was so, but was the main uh, man of obedience, righteousness, humiliation, submitting to everything, which was not in disobedience to God the Father. Moving on. It is evident at the point of departure is Christendom, naturally so as writing to Christians, but the manifestation not connected with it, because though no date is given for that, the saints are viewed as gathered up and the rest as apostate. This, though the character be blasphemous man, would throw it in its deceptions, most especially among the Jews, though it is here as man and and as to men who have not received the love of truth when it was there, but have had pleasure in iniquity, whatever partial moral accomplishment, for there were even early many antichrists, this may have had in Christendom, taking the apostasy to its full sense, the temple of God acquires a character quite evident. Wait, just pause. Okay, You're so reading am, a whole lot here. I am. Go let's, ahead. Let's take, no, take it in. Give us a summary of all of that he just said. So he's giving a, he's giving the summary of the Antichrist and the taking up of the people. What he was saying is that the apostate or people who don't believe in, who aren't true believers are going to be left behind. The rest are going to be gathered up. Um, when he's, you can see that there is this distinct power of Satan that has a throne and Jesus is not on his throne. And you've seen in the Schofield Bible that Jesus is not into his kingdom. Okay. I'm going to just read a little bit more. I may say here that the anti-Christian power will not be an imitation of Christ, save as being king and prophet, but opposition to Christ. For to a Jew, having a form of Jewish holiness, blasphemies could not recommend. But they are given up to delusion, and the dragon language is taken with the rest, as is idolatry, which will clearly take place. The Lord characterizes it as one coming in his own name. This is the Jewish part of his history in connection with the territorial limits of the Grecian Empire. Um, he's talking about, here we have it being wounded and healed and honestly, a bunch of word salad that I'm just going to skip over. But from the essence, you see Satan is on the throne. Satan has power. Jesus, read this last Jesus does not have power. But I cannot doubt, this is what he says, that there will be a civil religious power in Palestine, having the energy of Satan, 
and exercising the power of the beast to whom mm -hmm. Satan has given his authority. And this, I suspect, is much more properly the Antichrist, though there be many. But I present this specially and avowedly as a subject of inquiry for the saints and those content to learn and follow any increasing light our God in his goodness may see good to give. And certainly he will give all that may be truly profitable to his church. So essentially he's saying there's going to be a civil religious power in Palestine having the energy of Satan and exercising the power of the beast. Mm -hmm. That's in like Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. This is what he's he's this is a Zionist sentence. Okay, so now you know the Darby teachings. Now you know the Schofield teachings. We are going to pause here from going on into the future where Dwight L. Moody, Billy Graham, Hal Lindsey, Let's get rid of Darby. and all these other guys Boom. take it to where we know it now. I found a connection that I found crazy. You found crazy. a connection that you found crazy. And I truly believe that this is where this, when you were, when I just read those words from Darby of Satan's power and Satan's dominion and Satan's throne, it, it came out of me and I have to rebuke that in the name of Jesus, even just saying it. What you're doing to your mind is calling upon Satan to have rule and reign in your life, in your neighborhood. Come on and preach. In your country mm. and in the world. Yeah. There should never be the line Satan's throne. Unless you're saying has been dethroned. You see, we have all power and we have all power and authority. But when you tell a child Satan rules, Satan has power. The world is going to get worse and worse and worse. Stop trying to make it better. That is twisting a child's mind to the point. It might even go so far as it did for Aliester Crowley. So when I was Googling the Plymouth Brethren, they have commandeered all the all of the uh, Google search results. results, I believe, to try to cover their tracks. There's only a very small amount of them that are even that even meet today like 40 or 50,000 there's some in Canada That's and some a lot. Here. but they're all over the world so it's not a lot not That's in a one lot. church I'm just saying like I, they started it's, out in a little house well no but they got really big I mean if you would think that if Darby started dispensationalism there'd be millions there's there's like a billion Christians mm -hmm. and now they're down to like 50 60,000 where's where are all the Darbyites where are the Plymouth Brethren? That just shows they you that they converted they shriveled, into they shriveled up to nothing. Bibleites. They shriveled up to absolutely nothing. True. Okay. But back to Satan's throne, though. This is really important. There is no Satan's throne. Okay. God created man, and He gave us authority, and He gave us dominion. We gave it up. The throne is ours slash Christ. It's Christ's. Christ gives it to us by creating us and saying, I want you to have dominion over this earth that I have created. And so there's no Satan's throne. It doesn't exist. The only reason why he was sitting in any kind of authority or throne-like position is because we gave it up. Well, sin. Sin. Adam fell. I'm just saying that there is Jesus no... Jesus came and took it back. It's not that we kicked Satan off of his throne. We kicked him off of ours. That's good. Jesus did. Yeah, that's very good. All right. So when Googling them, I kept finding somebody's name kept coming up mm -mm -mm. 
Aleister Crowley, what does he have to do with the Plymouth Brethren? Well, it turns out that his parents were part of the exclusive Darbyites. Okay? That he grew up with these teachings. His dad was a minister, a lay minister, but he was a minister in the exclusive brother and Darbyite world. He would sit there and hear these sermons over and over and over again. The beast, the antichrist, the false prophet, Satan's going to rule. Satan's going to rule. He's going to have all this power. He's going to have seduction power. He's going to seduce, 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 seduce the nations, seduce the nations. He's going to have all this power and all this authority. So Aleister Crowley, and we're going to talk about who he is in a minute. His father dies when he's like 11 years old. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and if you bring up the rock and roll blog, you can see Aleister Crowley there. Um, his father dies. And his mom calls him the beast all the time. And this exclusive brother was a very strict cult-like group of people, okay? It's very interesting that these dispensationalists believe a theory and a theology based of a man who created a cult. Mm -hmm. So Baptists, you hate cults, but you're part of a cult. They're literally part, the Darbyism and the Plymouth exclusive brother, and they're a cult. They, they're so a cult. I want to show them real quickly, um, although my... I'm covering this up. Let's see if I can pull this up and make it a little bit bigger. Oh, I can't. Um, Jay-Z and all of these rock people were obsessed and are obsessed with Satanism, but specifically Aleister Crowley, the phrase, do as thou wilt, is the whole of the law. That's what's on Jay-Z's shirt over here on well, the left. If you just go to the blog, I was going to go there next. Okay, we're going to go through it. Yeah, Wait, but I okay. wanted to get the foundation of Aleister Crowley kind of down first. There he is, right first. there. What a creepy looking dude. Okay, so Aleister Crowley attempted to raise Lucifer. And it's very interesting um, because there is this Aleister John Nelson Darby link. Matt, our friend Kansas Cowboy, was heavily into rock and roll. And when God set him free and he became a Christian, he began to see how these rock and roll artists were channeling satanic powers. And he introduced me to this guy named Aleister Crowley. But, and so I knew all about Aleister Crowley. And... I never put the two and two together. I knew that his mom called him the beast. I knew that he was trying to be the antichrist. Like he wanted to make himself the most wicked person on the planet so that he could usher in. I didn't know this. Evil. So that he could be, he wanted to be, I believe, the antichrist. So all he that wanted stuff to be on the throne. He wanted to be the man on the earth. That he, it was, it was put in him as a kid. So all that stuff that we just read, uh, that 
John Nelson Darby was writing about the beast and how all this power, the Thanos snap your finger power yeah. that the beast and the second beast would get. Aliester Crowley was trying to prove himself worthy of Satan. This is the punchline of the whole show right here. You're hearing it right now and now we're going to unfold it. But the punchline, the big line that you came for mm -hmm. is that this guy mm -hmm. who has had so much influence posthumously yeah. on countless people that influence yeah. our society through music and entertainment. Yeah. All because... His dad was a member of the Plymouth Brethren and raised him on this false end times theory. And he's like, I want to be that guy. I want to be the bad guy. I want to be the right hand of Satan. Mm -hmm. I want to be this beast. I want to be the Antichrist. And it is proven in the fact that his mom called him the beast. She knew he was just the scum of the earth. And his mom would have been in belief Here's the deal. If his mom was following the teachings of the Plymouth Brethren and she knew about this beast that Darby refers to and his mom looks at him and says, you're the beast, she's directly calling him that beast that Darby just referred to. Yeah. It's very interesting, though, because Aleister Crowley's family is very wealthy. His father inherited... Um, this they were brew, they were brewers and Aliaster Crowley had a ton of money because when his dad died he got the estate they were super elite super rich which allowed him to travel around the world so I'm going to read a little bit from this blog that makes a connection here um and he says that Aliaster Crowley was raised in an English extremist religious group called the Exclusive Brethren, led by a preacher named John Nelson Darby. Darby is the person that invented the concept of the rapture, the idea that people will be literally teleported into heaven during the second coming. He made a huge mark on history by claiming that the book of Revelation was literally real and definitely not, you know, just a metaphor. And even that human beings had to help God's plan by bringing about the end of the world so that Jesus would come back sooner. The British, not being particularly impressed with anything this sincere, let alone religious literalism, didn't take to Darby's ideas. Aliester Crowley sure did, however, because he spent the rest of his life rebelling against his early cult brainwashing by trying to create his own satanic version of Darby's teachings. While Darby declared that a new aeon was coming, meaning the second coming of Christ, the adult Crowley declared himself to be the prophet of his new aeon. H. One that would be focused on enacting the reign of the Antichrist, meaning Crowley himself, of course, rather than Jesus Christ. Somewhere in the back of Crowley's mind, he probably believed that he was just helping Jesus' plan along by being the bad guy <laughs> in the story. Another group that took Darby's ideas quite seriously well was American Evangelicals. The idea that the apocalypse is not only literal, but just around the corner, and that Christians actually have to help it happen, what I call turbo-Christianity, circulated through the American religious right during the early part of the century until it became the dominant religion for, religious form in America. You can tell because of the left-behind books, the most-read books in America are directly based on Darby's ideas, and because one in three Americans now believe that we live in the apocalypse and that Jesus is coming back in our lifetime, according to a 2006 Pew Forum study. You can also tell because Ronald Reagan took this idea so seriously that he regularly told his aides that he was shepherding the world through the end times. Oh, wow. And that his role was to overcome Russia, which he likened to Gog and Magog from the apocalyptic book of Daniel in preparation for the second coming. George Bush Jr., Barbara's son, of course, believed this too. Infamously telling the French president uh, Jacques Chirac he saw Gog and Magog at work in the Middle East when trying to enlist his support for the war on terror. That's a 
a lot longer than seven years, by the way. Which, as you can imagine, Yox being French and all, didn't go over particularly well. You can also see this dispensationalist theology clearly guiding the hand of Mike Pence and now John Bolton, who also played a starring role in the invasion of Iraq and is now working to level Syria, which is also a fulfillment of pre-apocalyptic Bible prophecy, by the way, from Isaiah 17.1. This is all because evangelical Christians believe that Islam has to be removed from the Holy Land in preparations for Jesus to come back, more or less, and that the fact that the evangelical Republicans have been quite regularly trying to force that to happen at the tip of nuclear warhead should be a lot scarier to you than whatever weird heroin fetish rituals Crowley got up in his basement. But the kicker, of course, is that both of these kings things came from the same place. Crowley's satanic occultism and the Republican right's thermonuclear Middle East in interventionism. Boom. It's like a mic drop. It's the same. It's, it's a different side to the same coin. It's the same coin. So now I want to tell you a little bit about Aleister Crowley. The foundations, because here's the thing. You manifest what you speak. Mm -hmm. All of these people going around saying Satan has a throne. Satan's in power. Satan has dominion. Oh my gosh. So if we fix this end times theology... We can rewind the past 100 years. We watched the anointing zombie very powerfully right now, you guys, to heal and set you free and set our nation free. Listen to this. If you are here right now, listen, please, because God's going to change your life right now. Grasp this. Go watch the history channels, The Men That Made America. It's on YouTube. It's several episodes long. You're going to hear about Vanderbilt. You're going to hear about Rockefeller, Carnegie, Ford. And how they destroyed our country. With the caveat that they make them out to be, some of them out to be Christian men. And that's a bold-faced lie. Listen to it. Yeah, they're not good men. Watch it from the red-pilled lens. The History Channel is not red-pilled. Right. They make it out to be this great thing happening. So in the 1800s, in the mid to 1800s, this theology is speaking forth Satan's throne. It's here right now. The beast, the antichrist, the seduction power. Seduction, seduction, seduction. When you say seduction, that's sexual, by the way. Mm -hmm. Oh, you, yeah. Do you know what, and that word Darby used a lot, the seduction power. You know what Aliester Crowley started? A sex cult. He did. He created sex magic. Homosexual, weird, crazy sex magic. Because you really want to get with this guy. It's very sick. Also, a little known fact, and I'm not, I know I'm, I don't want to bounce around here, but the British government actually took this guy seriously and made him a secret agent during World War II. And his number, and they call him Secret Agent 666. Because Aliester Crowley called himself the Beast. He said he want, he said his number was 666. He wanted to usher in all that power and all that authority, and he wanted to do, he wanted it. So all these people in, in Great Britain are beginning to say Satan's power, Satan's throne over and over again. It's like rock and roll. You hear something over and over again. And they come to America and everybody begins to say Satan's power, Satan's throne, the beast, the Antichrist. They say it over and over and over again. You know who rises up? Hmm. The bankers. Vanderbilt. That spirit of Antichrist 
you're giving way to the spirit of Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist is just anybody who exalts themselves against the throne of God. Amen. Who denies Jesus Christ. This was a Christian nation. For the record, Satan doesn't have a throne. Just saying it one more time. Right. This is a Christian nation. Okay. Based on Christian principles. This was a really great nation. Satan had no power and authority here. He had to convince people to give it back to him. And in doing so, he embodied the Vanderbilts, the Rockefellers, the Carnegies, and yes, Henry Ford, who was an ardent, ardent anti-Semite, by the way. Mm -hmm. Okay. He was not a good person. Created assembly line. He took everybody off. He, he literally wanted every farmer to buy a tractor. And then they default. They take out a mortgage on their farm to buy the tractor. And then they lose their farm and their tractor. Sounds like a country song. To which they would rather go back to the horses and have their farm. Come on. Okay. And he put all these people on assembly lines. You're getting to your. My. The, the, the word that God has been downloading inside of me. That just came on you right now. Well, no, it came on yeah, me but it earlier came on today. You now, just now, was that people began to manifest evil. We were talking about this with Corey Gray, and my mom. You guys have seen her post. She's like, "You got to go back to horses and buggies, and electricity is evil." And you're like, "I can't see it. I don't know how. I like my car. I like my motorcycle. I like it. I like it. I like it. I get it. I get it because you can't see anything else. I'm not asking you to stop." driving your car or turning off electricity. I'm asking you to do one simple thing. To take Satan off the throne of your mind. Whoa! I'm asking you to go back with me to the 1800s and stop this theology from spreading. From stop people from speaking out. You wonder, you know what else came out during the 1800s? Darwinism. Because people kept saying, Satan has a throne. And as they, you spoke it out, it would manifest. And you spoke it out. And Christians lost power and they lost control. Because the Schofield Reference Bible told them, stop engaging. Stop fighting the enemy. Lay down your swords. Be walked all over. Because if you just lay down your sword and stop fighting, Jesus will come back. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, your children have been raped. Your marriages have fallen apart. You have two parents having to work. You've got to wake up every day, work in a job most of you hate. And you can't get all out of the rat race. But there's the power of the spoken word. And if they kept, if, if, if so many, if, if just a few handful of people kept saying Satan's power and Satan's throne. How much more can, can just a few people reverse the curse? Mm -hmm. You can curse something. The Bible says, what you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth shall be loose in, the, in heaven. And life and death are in the power of the tongue. Watch what you say. Just as a small rudder can turn an entire ship, so your, so your tongue can turn your entire body. Mm-hmm. You've seen what your words can speak over a child. You're good. You're precious. You're powerful. I began to speak this over a, 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 a friend of mine talking about some a, a situation mm -hmm. that she had to go through. And I was like, the one thing that made my life different 
was that I had an abusive father, but I had a mom who said, God has a wonderful plan for your life. You have, a, you have gifts, you have callings, you're special, you're anointed. And I said, children need to be, have life spoken into them and let them know that they're precious. Let them know that they're here for a purpose. Let them know they're going to live a long, happy, filled life with God moving in them. And if they're called to be, suffer for Jesus Christ, how happy is that? Come on. Because your blessings, you're storing up treasures in heaven. But not everybody's called to be persecuted because God wants us to be fruitful and multiply and have the, the, the blessings of Abraham are in this land. Jesus told the disciples, if you give up this stuff, you'll have it in this life and in the next. He wants us to know that this, he wants us to live a beautiful life. Right. And so we can go back. In our, in our minds and heal a situation. If you were abused as a kid, you go back, you heal it. You go back in your brain. If somebody told you you were stupid, you go back with Jesus and you, and you say, you're not stupid. God loves you. You go back to the time. If you're molested, yeah, you take good. Jesus back with you. You go back and you stop it. Mm -hmm. And you make it like it didn't happen. You say, Jesus, heal this memory. And you make it like I was never hurt. Because that's what God does. He redeems. So we're going to go back. And we're going to say this, this ideology never got into Aliester Crowley. This ideology never got into the hearts and the minds of people laying down their swords. And John MacArthur is a big one. He wrote, uh, it's written in the, uh, I read in the Founders Bible that John MacArthur says that the founding fathers were in sin for the revolution and that God is blessing America despite what they've done, not because of it. And that we need to remove ourselves from society and go the dispensational way and as we have we have allowed the aliester crowley of this world to take over so now for uh the next 20 minutes or so because i don't want to keep you guys too long did you put the chicks away i thought it was going to she's gonna go get the chicks okay we are going to talk about aliester crowley thank you michelle Aliester Crowley was given countless poems and songs by Satan. This is from my friend's blog on, on rock and roll. Hitler was considered to be one of his disciples and was carrying out his will. Satan wanted the birth of electricity, the space program, and rock concerts today. The German Nazis under Hitler started the space program and was moved to the U.S. after World War II along with the Nazi scientists, just in time for rock and roll to take the country by storm. Just as Catholicism has the Pope to go before them to God to do so, uh, uh, so to do so do those who worship Satan. Aliester Crowley was their Pope, their intermediary to Satan and his underworld. Crowley uh, himself, in a poem, "Birthday," clearly sets the stage clear back in 1911 for the rock and roll and counterculture culture movement of the 1960s. This poem, professing his love for Satan, or apparently Satan's birthday, praises him for his demonic spirit. Now remember, put this in light of a man who was told over and over again, Satan's going to rule and reign. He is trying to invoke Satan. We're in one sacrament was ours, one Lord, Satan, one resurrection, one concurrent cord, one incarnation, one descending, dove, all this being one, that being love. Um, you sent your spirit into tunes, my soul, yearned in a thousand melodies to enscroll its happiness. I left no flower unplucked that 
uh, might be graced your garland. I induct tragedy, comedy, farce, and, and you can see that this is a this is a song to Satan. He's trying to bring in Satan so he can be the Antichrist. This guy actually declaring his desire to do the works of Satan. He also stated that through Satan he would bring uh, he would um, bring the world free, sex and drugs. I am the snake that giveth knowledge, delight and bright glory, and stir the hearts of men with drunkenness. To worship me, take wine and strange drugs, whereof I will tell my prophet and be drunk thereof. That is from uh, Aliester Crowley, Diary of a Drug Fiend. He used drugs, he entered cults, he did sex magic. People have been brainwashed by the 1960s counterculture movement that is now mainstream. That's why you had the movie, The Jesus Revolution, because they were... Um, Everybody was lost because of the end times theology and this um, kind of counterculture movement. Why did Aleister Crowley's vision take hold? I believe because it was Satan's plan. But people picked up on Aleister Crowley's vision. They did. They just did it. He was forcing it through. He was calling on Satan and Satan helped his message get out. Uh, um, so you don't have to dig deep to see the connection between the Beach Boys, the Beatles, and Satan. He, uh, Matt says, I was brought up brainwashed into listening to their music. Kenneth Anger of the Church of Satan says that everyone is a star uh, if they give their soul over to Satan. And that was one of Aliester Crowley's teachings. Um, he said, I was told these rock stars were great. So um, rock and roll starts back in the 1930s when a guitar player named uh, Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil for fame. Shortly before his death at 27, he said he has to keep moving because there are hellhounds on his tail. You probably know that, that, that song. Um, this is the type of man who influenced the 1950s artists such as Chubby Checker, Little uh, Richard, uh, Chuck Berry and Elvis, when Jerry Lee Lewis was recording Great Balls of Fire, he was it was well documented. He was saying that he was possessed by the devil and working for the other side. Little Richard commenting on his music said, I was directed and commanded by another power, the power of darkness, that a lot of people don't believe exists. The power of the devil and Satan. When Elvis recorded those gospel albums, he was actually singing about Satan, not God. He told his hometown minister once that he didn't listen to anything that he had taught in growing up. He would read from satanic books while on stage. He devoured anything written by Satanist Madame Blavatsky. Um, and you can see, um, you can bring up, I'm going to bring this up when Michelle comes up, the satanic um, rock and roll blog. Uh, Elvis, through a satanic church conference, was telling people if they worship Satan, they would save their souls and fly. We've been trapped in a world that's troubled by pain, but as long as a man has the strength to dream, he can redeem his soul and fly. He went on to say that after doing, after so doing, all his brothers would be walking uh, the new land together. Sound familiar? Because that's what Satan says. Um, the entourage for Elvis said it was creepy how he would command crowds of people, and he thought himself as a modern Christ figure. Elvis said that the spirit beings possessed him and that there and this that is where his music came from. People are not fascinated with Elvis the man who lived, now dead and sent to hell. They are moved by the demons that were once inside of him and now living on his music. Elvis the man may be dead, but through worldly technologies, his music still lives on. A disciple uh, stated in Aliester Crowley's book, Eye of the Triangle, that one can become a genius in music by practicing Aliester Crowley's magic. 
almost word for word to the testimonies on YouTube, many big name celebrities. This magic is an extension of consciousness made through contact by evil spirits. This very statement is in the, the inside the flap to the book. It is clear that uh, what the content is therein. LaVey says in the Satanic Bible that Lucifer has always had a bent towards music. Um, and I want to see if I can't screen share so you guys can see what I'm reading because you kind of want to see. Let's see. I'm going to scroll down. Here we go. Did you get them? Sorry. I'm going to screen share here. Boom. Yep, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Okay. All right, so you can see this. And I'm just going to go through a couple of rock stars that used Aliester Crowley on their shirts. Um, the Jonas Brothers here. Uh, that's Aliester Crowley on his shirt. Supposedly, these kids were Christians. Uh, we don't know whether he knows that that was satanic. I'm not going to play um, Black Sabbath here. Um uh, Ozzy Osbourne and his band here is just so um, grotesque and disgusting, but they are definitely um, uh, uh, channeling um, Aliester Crowley. Corn uh, followed Aliester Crowley's teaching. Uh, Crowley professed that Satan gave him a vast catalog, catalog of music, and rock and roll stars are selling their souls to uh, receive them. And there is, um, this video is taken down, but Marilyn Manson here was, um, had a comment on, uh, Satan Crowley and Anton Lavoie here. Sorry that that was taken down, but you guys can get the idea. God cast Satan out of heaven to hell with drums and pipes. Um, and Isaiah here, hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirs up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It has raised up from their thrones, all the kings of the nations, all they shall speak and say to thee, are you bec also become weak as we are you become like unto us? Your pomp is brought down to the grave and the noise of your vials family of uh, very stringed instrument instruments. Uh, how are you fallen? O Lucifer, son of the morning. So I'm going to scroll down. We have to be careful what bands we listen to. Okay. Uh, Luke talks about an unclean spirit. So when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He says, I will return to my house from when I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last day of that man is worse than this first. So you have to be careful who you're listening to because the Beatles here on their cover of their, um, one of their albums is Aliester Crowley. They were channeling Aliester Crowley, do as they will, do as thou wilt. Um, very evil, very de demonic. Uh, Jim Morrison and the Doors uh, was told by Ed Sullivan not to sing the word fire, represented both lust, sex, and Satan in his song. Morrison, in an act of defiance on national television, sang the lyric anyway. Ed was furious, saying the band would never play the show again. Morrison laughed, saying that he just played the Sullivan show. His bandmates uh, said that he wasn't a musician, but a priest for Satan, and that he had just delivered his message to the whole nation. He was quoted as saying, cancel my subscription to the resurrection and cursing the Lord's Prayer. The Beatles and the Rolling Stones would work together to take uh, late to, and talk late in the night about taking over the world through Satan. Sympathy for the Devil. 
please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. Uh, I've been around a long, long year, stole many a man's soul and faith. And I was around when Jesus Christ had his moment of doubt and pain, uh, made censors, you know, sure that Pilate washed his hands and sealed his fate. Please to meet you. Hope you got, hope you guessed my name. That is Satan. I don't know why all these have been taken down, but flee from the devil who seeks to bind the innocent led astray by those who have sold their souls. So slash from guns and roses openly admits to selling his soul. Um, and that's the video has been taken down. Is it a coincidence that the Rolling Stones, their satanic majesty's request and the Beatles Sergeant Pepper albums came out at the same time? Even both of the covers were adorned with satanic symbols and pictures of people such as Crowley. Uh, the Beatles even wanted Hitler on their cover, but he was vetoed by the record company. Before his death, they had a homosexual manager named Brian Epstein, and band members had gay relations with fans in the early days in Germany. Um, so, looks like McCarthy had an album with a ram on it, which is a satanic symbol, and Ringo's features a demonic angel version of Ringo. In the back, Ringo is displayed as a puppet in the hand of a wizard. Ringo, in effect, declares himself as God, stating that he is the greatest in all the land. And then My Sweet Lord is actually not Christian, okay? Just to let you know. Um, the, I, um, my idea for My Sweet Lord, because it sounded like a pop song, was to sneak up on them a bit. The point was to deceive, not offend them by hallelujah. And by the time it gets to Harry Krishna, eternal serpent Satan, they're already hooked. Their foot is tapping and they're already singing along uh, hallelujah to lull them into false sense of security. And then it suddenly turns into Hare Krishna and they will all be singing it before they know what's happened. And they will sing, hey, I, did, I didn't, didn't I think I was supposed to like Hare Krishna? Do you see what he just did there? He thinks he deceived millions of people. I think. George was, Harrison, but... like a Pied Piper, used his music as a tool to turn people from Christ to Satan. He seductively tried to draw Christians in by singing Hallelujah in My Sweet Lord in an effort to deceive them. Okay, I'm gonna. John Lennon wrote many satanic songs as well as Protests for Peace in Bed, uh, released naked photos with his wife. Um, and then, of course, you guys know Yoko Ono's. She's a witch. She's a, you know, horrible, awful person. And then you can see the demonicness of the Beatles here on their covers. Blatant occult symbols, the OK sign, uh, has a 666 meaning and other real weird cult meanings in the Freemasonry. And one on the right is a ram's horn representing Satan. Notice that Paul's hands displays, displays three fingers and also a 6666. Um, and then Christ gave us all power and authority against unclean spirits to cast them out and to hear all manner, manner of sickness and disease. Um, this is a, a picture when, um, Matt saw this, he felt the Holy Spirit come on him and, and really give his life back to him. Um, let me see, there's a few more. Un uh, it isn't until, uh, they are suffering an eternal fire hell that they are, um, that they realize that they are deceived. There's a warlock in the back row and all kinds of weird symbols in the Ringo album. This manor was later revived and dropped everything to follow Christ and relay his vision of God's eternal punishment. I don't know which one I've got. I think I might have it down here. Um, in the 1960s, to many people can be described as the dawning of the age of Aquarius with the planets aligning and the rise, uh, and the rise of Satan. God condemns astrology and, pal uh, and, and palm reading. The results can be manipulated into do without wilt, and these are in Crowley's writings as well. Lennon wrote of a world like Crowley envisioned with no religion and no hell below, as Satan would allow us to do what do, as thou uh, wilt. 
Rock legends such as Eric Clapton were close friends of the Beatles, uh, with Eric even playing on one of their albums. One of his most noteworthy performances, though, was a remake of Robert Johnson's Crossroads, where Eric sells his soul to the devil for his songs. Eric Clapton. Yeah. And guitar prowess. The Rolling Stones, meanwhile, went on to record a satanic movie and soundtrack, Lucifer Rising. One of the most blatant evil works of our time. Kenneth Anger began filming around 1966, hiring young musician Bobby um, Bulasoli Busily. to act and compose the soundtrack. Busily was convicted Busilel? of killing Gary Hinman under the orders of Charles Man Manson in 1970. Uh, Busil. I think it's Busilil. I bet that's what it is. Uh, Busilil wrote and recorded the music in prison. Aliester Crowley associate uh, Gerald York is credited as a Thelmic consultant. Now, this, um, why am I going into all of this? Because you have to understand that without Aliester Crowley, there probably isn't all this crazy wild sex cult and rock and roll right. that is permeated our thoughts and minds. You see, before I go on a little bit there, to tell you a little bit more of Aliester Crowley without reading all of it, you can bring it up. Um, Aliester Crowley, let me just tell you a little bit about who he did, what he did. I'm going to go to this author here. A couple of weeks, I wrote a blog post analyzing the video of Blondie's rapture and pointing out the voodoo cult and mystic symbolism in it. I wondered if Blondie were into this, that sort of thing, or perhaps I was seeing things. It turned out they were, and one of them, the bassist, Gary Lechman, had even become a historian of the occult. He was kind enough to give me his time for an interview. I met up with Gary in the British Library to ask him about the influence of occult ideas in rock and roll, and particularly the ideas of Aleister Crowley. I'm interested in this because I'm interested in ecstatic states and how we reach them in modernity. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll and magic are part of that story, and it's not always a very nice story. His first, he first encountered the occult in 1975 when he was playing bass in Blondie and sharing an apartment with fellow band members Debbie Harry and Chris Stein. They, okay, I'm going to move down. He was introduced to the writings of Aliester Crowley through Tommy Ramone, who uh, lent him a couple books. After he left the band, Gary became more and more interested in Crowley's ideas and rituals. One day in L.A., he signed up to join the Ordo Tempi Orentis, the secret cult dedicated to following Crowley's religion of Thelma. For a while, he got very into Crowleyan magic and got himself a robe and did every ritual in Crowley's magic and theory and practice. And he tried out sex magic. It's really kind of gross and weird. Um, Gary made a transition from punk rocker to secret ma magnus. And writer on all things occult, but eventually his love affair with Crowley waned as he decided his religion was a long ego trip. Um, I want to go. Where actually, there was one more. Okay, vigilant Christian. That's where I wanted to go. So the man called the Great Beast 666 and dubbed by the press as the wickedest man in history was more than a theatrical cultist. Aliester Crowley is at the heart of one of the most influential movements of the 20th and 21st centuries. He also had ties with the world's most powerful figures, even working with the British intelligence agency MI5. This I'll is not a conspiracy theory. No, it's facts. These are just truths. Although he's considered to be the most influential cultist of the 20th century and was recognized by the BBC as the 73rd greatest Briton of all time, most people have never heard of him. And the English occultist, mystist, and ceremony magician is incredibly popular in some circles, but completely unknown to the average person. So um, he actually is the guy who took the C off of magic and put a K there. 
to differentiate it from the entertainment kind. Um, he was maligned. He was heavily criticized by the press during his lifetime. However, declassified documents have since revealed that the Great Beast 666 led a devil life. Crowley apparently maintained ties with the British government and worked with the British intelligence and high-ranking members of the American government. The OTO, the secret society he popularized, held within its ranks some of the most influential people of, their, of, of the time, who in turn used their power to further the advancement of his main ph philosophy, Thelma. So we talked about how he was, um, the, his religious upbringing and how his dad died. Um, and he changed his name from Edward Alexander to Aliester. And in his 20s, he joined many little cults. Okay, and he actually gets kicked out of a cult for being too perverted and doing trying to do homosexual acts. He was part, um, let's see, he was part of the old George Pickling witch coven. However, he was not welcome for long as a result of his irresponsible attitude and his homosexuality. The priestess of his coven later described him as dirty-minded, evilly disposed, and a vicious little monster. In, when She's witches, a witch. Yeah. When the witch kicks you out because you're too bad. He also became a high-ranking Freemason, joined several lodges. Um, then he creates this Book of the Law and Thelma and the Aeon of Horus. So this is where he's trying to pull in um, the opposite of John Darby that he grew up with, right? So in 1904, Crowley and his, new, and his wife Rose visited Egypt for their honeymoon. And during the trip, he wrote his famous book, Liber Legis, the Book of the Law, the cornerstone of his life. According to his own account, Crowley's wife led him into a museum in Cairo where she showed him a 7th century BCE mortuary steel known as the Steel of Anka F. N. Caution, which would later be, later be, be rever revered as the Steel of Revealing. Crowley was astounded by the exhibit's number, which was 666. Later during their stay in Egypt, Crowley and Rose took part in a magical ritual during which he alleges to have received a message from an entity named Iwes. As a result of this communication, Crowley wrote the first three chapters of the Book of the Law, a mystical text which he believed would revolutionize the future of mankind. It announced the advent of a new aeon in which Crowley has become the priest-prince of a new religion, the Age of Horus. He was to formulate a link between humanity and the solar spiritual force, during which the god Horus would preside for the next 2,000 years over the evolution of the consciousness of this planet. He thought he was ushering in the end times. The message from Awaz, whom Crowley understood to be his own guardian angel, convinced him that his mission in life was to give up the coup de grace to the age of or Osiris Osiris with his moribund appendage, the Christian faith, because it was another. He thought the Christian uh, was uh, an appendage, and to build on the ruins a new religion based on the law of Thelma, Greek for will. I'm not going to read that. According to Crowley's protege, Kenneth Grant, anyone possessing the ca capacity for understanding the language of symbolism will be staggered with the accuracy of the summary of the spirit of the aeon. In other words, the same way the Bible ruled over Western Christianity during the past two millenniums, Thelma would uh, describe the spirit of the next 2,000 years. You can see there, um, do with that will as a whole the law. Love is the law. Love under will. Every man and woman is a star. These are all satanic things, by the way. Uh, do what that will is what is means do what you want. And I'm going to skip over a little bit of its weird, um, his weird sex magic. Uh, but he believed that the, the Knights Templar were homosexuals and did weird things. And that's how they had power. And he wanted to bring that in. 
um, he, this moon child, he tr kept trying to bring in, I believe, kind of a book of revelation type um, the mother, oh, yeah, the mother with the, yeah. the stars and a messiah. 100%, 100%. He had sex with a bunch of different women, practicing um, sodomy with them and orgies, um, and tried to bring a magical child. And when they, I guess he couldn't conceive or something didn't happen, he wrote a book called The Moon Child, published in 1929. As a side note later, Jack Parsons, who became the um, inventor of rocket fuel, was an avid Crowley Thelmite who he himself and a man and a woman tried to do the sex magic to create the moon child themselves. And Isaiah 41.10 says, uh, he worked with Parsons, didn't he? Jack Parsons. Someone said it is a theory. It's all well documented. Uh, Patriot Gallery says that the Jack's Parsons part is further down in the blog and she's put the link there. Yeah. In the, the Thelmala, the Scarlet Woman is equated with Babylon. Revelation, Babylon, dun, dun, dun. the great mother, mm. okay? The mother abominations of the book of Revelation. This is, people don't put this together. Satan put this in his head from John Darby. Right. And John Darby is responsible, in my opinion, for the downfall of America and downfall of the world. 100%. And this and end the times theology is so evil and so satanic. That it produced one of the most satanic men on the planet. And then that satanic man spread his theology everywhere. And because Christians felt like they shouldn't fight it, mm -hmm. fight the rock. They, all oh, those kids, that rock and roll. I curse you in the name of Jesus. I command you back where you belong. You are not going to have this nastiness in my home or my country, in my state. We are going to be pure. We're going to be holy. We're going to have righteousness. We're going to have families. That is what you do because we have power. We have authority. So then we have his secret agent 666, which is definitely um, well-documented. Suppose that uh, secret agent 666 sensationally uh, reveals that Crowley played a major role in sinking of the uh, Lustiana, a plot to overthrow the government of Spain, the thwarting of Irish and Indian nationalist conspiracies, and the 1941 uh, flight of Rudolf Hess. During his research, Spence uncovered a document from the U.S. Army's old military intelligence division supporting Crowley's own claim of being a spy. Aliester Crowley was an employee of the British government. Um, he was an adept amateur psychologist with an uncanny ability to influence people and probably util utilized hypnotic suggestion. He also drugged people. <laughs> he tried to win over the Nazis. He said it was just war things, but he really wanted Hitler to follow him because he thought, you know, if we're going to rise to evil, let's rise to evil, you know? Um, important protégés. Jack Parsons was an American rocket propulsion researcher at the California Institute of Technology. He was one of the principal founders of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory and the Aerojet Corps. His rocket research was some of the earliest in the United States and his pioneering work in the development of solid fuel and the invention of the JATO units for aircraft was of great importance to the start of humanity's space age. The noted engineer Theodore von Karman, Parsons' friend and benefactor, declared that the work of Parsons and his peers helped usher in the age of space travel. Guys, space travel's not of God. Yeah, oh. In fact, Parsons' crater on the dark side of the moon is named after him. He, Jack Parsons, has been described as the one single individual who contributed to most to rocket scientists as an individual who traveled under sealed orders from the U.S. government. Behind closed doors, he was deeply steeped in occultism and became a prominent member of the OTO, where he partook in rather extreme sex magic rituals. Among Parsons' many sex partners, I'm just going to take my earrings out, 
uh, was that of his own mother. Their incestuous encounters were filmed. Both no, mother no, and son I did not ever know this. In bestiality. No, they and both didn't. appear to have been among that species of psychotic who can function normally in public and achieve positions of authority over others. Now, there's a picture of him doing it. Well, no, listen here. Not normal. No, I'm sorry. Just dressed up. Now, here's the thing. Satan can give you knowledge, secret and hidden knowledge that comes from the knowledge of, of the tree of good and evil. You Guys. see, heroin comes from poppy. Poppy is good. Satan told somebody, turn it into heroin and get high and become addicted. Same thing with marijuana. Marijuana plant's good. Hemp is good. Satan says, go get high. Same thing with, with alcohol. Same, it's, Satan twists everything of God. Mm-hmm. And can give knowledge. So, you just did not stop and dwell on this new revelation that I am just hearing. And maybe I heard it before and it just was so vile. He has I, sex with his mama and some animals. And in that, he I was knew about the animals. But, but here's the thing. Mama. What I'm saying is, his mama would have been his... His dad was a layman, a minister with the Plymouth. No, no, no. This is Parsons. Oh, okay. Never mind that. Jack Parsons, oh, the rocket fuel guy. The rocket fuel guy. Whoa. The rocket fuel guy. I knew guy. we were on that, but I, I guess I didn't think. Yeah. Now we just went cray cray. Yeah. So Jack Parsons had sex with his mom. Yeah. I didn't know that either. So in 1942, Parsons was appointed to the head of the Agape OTO Lodge by Aliester Crowley himself like crowley parsons was obsessed with the idea of creating a magical child with babylon or the scarlet woman the purpose of parsons operation has been underemphasized. he sought to produce a magical child who would be a a product of her environment rather than of her heredity crowley himself describes the moon child in just these terms the babylon working itself was preparation for what was to come the thematic messiah film thelemic like Thelma. There was no clear separation between Parsons' professional and occult lives. In fact, he was known to recite Crowley's poem, Hymn to Pan, before each rocket test. And I am not going to read that. Okay? Just disgustingly perverted. Parson later associated with an individual who would become hugely influential. Who? L. Ron Hubbard. Here it who comes. would establish the Church of Scientology. Parsons took a great liking to Harbor, Hubbard, who was then a U.S. Navy captain, and initiated him into the secrets of the OTO. In 1946, to Crowley, Parsons wrote, About three months ago, I met a U.S. Navy captain, L. Ron Hubbard. Although Ron has no formal training in magic, he has an extraordinary amount of experience and understanding in the field. He is the most thelmic person I have ever met and is in complete accord with our principles. He is also interested in establishing the new Aeon. We are pooling our resources in a partnership that will act as a limited company to control our business ventures. Hubbard's Church of Scientology today is extremely influential. It's got John Travolta, John Travolta Will Smith, um, Tom Cruise. So, Aliester Crowley died nearly uh, penniless, fighting a heroin addiction. His legacy is nevertheless nothing less than colossal. Um, you've got Jay-Z wearing the Do Is Out Wilt shirt. Um, Crowley inspired numerous movie characters, including um, a James Bond arch-villain, um, in Ian Fleming's Casino Royale, Satanic Witch, um, Adrian Marcato in Rosemary's Baby. 
let's see beyond these direct references there's there's more and i'm going to go back to the the blog here a little bit and finish this up because it's just awful it's important to know where all this stuff comes from though and i think that you're spot on when you say this is knowing all of this is huge mm. because then you can go back and fix it and mm -hmm. we can make it like it never happened and mm -hmm. we can redeem it and we can kick these people off of god's like throne mm -hmm. right this the bible says give no place to the devil and i'm going to mm -hmm. keep saying that throughout this series because mm -hmm. the only reason why society is where it's at in america especially is uh -huh. because we've given place to the devil because we're all singing. Did you see the Sergeant Pepper? We're all singing the Beatles. We're all singing these songs. And you go to the stores and you feel them. And you are literally encanting, encanting the, devil. the devil through these songs, which is why it's so important not to listen to secular music. Yeah. Okay. We never talk about that on our show. We yeah. do not listen to secular music. Right. Okay, so... Because you um, never know their ties. Yeah, scrolling down to Jimmy Page, uh, guitarist Jimmy Page, is, was a devout follower of Crowley and even bought uh, Crowley's uh, home on the shore of Loch Ness where Crowley practiced his hellish satanic sex magic rituals, including human sacrifices. As if exposure to his music wasn't enough, Page opened a book shop for the occult books called Equinox. He is so radical in his beliefs that his former bandmates were afraid to record with him anymore for fear of what the demons might do to them. Many of these bands have ties to Anton LaVey, the co-founder of, of the Church of Satan. Michael Jackson sings of selling his soul to Satan for money and, uh, and had Crowley on his dangerous album cover. Uh, he has paid psychics to cast out cast evil spells on his enemies and taken satanic bloodbaths. Jay-Z and Beyonce have spoken about being demon-possessed and, and having spirits take over their bodies. They wear Crowley-inspired clothing as well as ones with satanic, satanic symbols all over them. The Columbine shooter listened to a German band, Ramstein, among others. Um, the lyrics said to... Actually, this is really sad. The Columbine shooters listened to songs that told them to go into a schoolyard and shoot the place up mm -hmm. and later take a shotgun and blow your head off it was in the song right. and they listened to it over and over and over and again and when you speak these things out by singing these lyrics it yeah. will manifest so eminem takes bloodbath um you've got um carlos santana has frequently spoken of being possessed by satan having him take over his body to play rock and roll the demon he said is named metatron um, and he frequently just sits in a corner surrounded by candles with a yellow legal pad. When he gets a song, Megatron commands him to write it down. He describes this as a fax machine. Mega Metatron, he says, is the eye in the triangle representing Satan. He's saying of soul sacrifice, black, black magic woman, and evil ways. A desperate older man wanting to get back to the top of the charts, Satan came to him in one of his meditation prayers. Metatron spoke to him, stating that we want to hook you back to the radio airwave frequency. We want you to reach junior high schools, high schools, and universities. Other artists, and we talked about this, was Eric Clapton, uh, said that they had received word of the Supernatural album in their dreams before Carlos even made the call. Countless actors. The late uh, Jane Mansfield participated in satanic rituals in order to achieve Jezebel or Delilah status before being beheaded in a traffic accident. 
Uh, dealing with the devil is unwise as God has stated that he will give us up to 120 years if we live for him. Uh, upon the death of our mortal fleshly being, we will live on for eternity in the kingdom of God. Musicians, on the other hand, only average into their 30s. 30-something short years of sin and debauchery is not worth an eternity of fire and brimstone in the torment of hell. Um, I think it keeps going on. Let's see. Talking about the gospel. Oh, and I love how we end this. So God made a farmer. Go back to the old ways. Getting back to America being healed. Um, let's see. I'm going to see if there's any more. No, there's this. more videos. Okay. All right. So that's the Crowley connection. I think there to was a dispensationalism. Yeah. So this is, I started out the episode by saying, Leah, we're going to, uh, somehow I, I asked a question, tying Aliester Crowley mm -hmm. to the Left Behind series. Mm -hmm. Oh, is that what, is that, yeah, that's it. Go ahead, explain it. Go ahead, now that you've learned it. Now I know it. I already knew it. But now that you guys learned it, and feel free to put any questions that you have in the chat or comments, we can read those. Um, I see it so clearly. We've all known that the past 100 some odd years, we're looking really at 125 now, minimum in my, in my opinion, where we've seen America take a shift. What can we look at for the influences of this? We can look at the industrial revolution. We can look at um, the rise of these people like Ford, Carnegie, Rockefeller, we can look at the world wars, all of those things. But if you go back just a little bit further, mm. you can even look at evolution. You can look at taking God prayer mm -hmm. out of school. But what led up to those moments? Mm -hmm. You go back to the modern end times theory. Mm -hmm. We go to our buddy Darby here. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just evil to even look at, right? He, he just looks satanic. Yeah. Darby comes up with this idea with the Plymouth Brethren, mm -hmm. Aliester Crowley's dad, meanwhile, it becomes a part of this mm -hmm. with his mom, mm -hmm. I'm sure. Then C.A. Schofield joins the Lotus Club, mm -hmm. leaves his wife. Not He's a fraudster. He leaves the, the military. He gets involved in the Lotus Club and big, big, big bucks mm -hmm. fund a Bible that will get spread throughout the world, but specifically in Western developed Christian religions, specifically the Baptists, mm -hmm. Dwight L. Moody, and it, it just permeates all of Christianity. Meanwhile, while the Schofield Reference Bible is happening, we've got Aliester Crowley and... And all of these things overlapping over a series of, of decades, but around the same times, mm -hmm. okay? We see that Aliasa Crowley being raised. Let me move, let me move him over here. Oh, that looks really creepy, doesn't it? Under the teachings of Darby, decides he's going to be the beast. He's going to be the Antichrist. He's going to be the Antichrist, right? He's going to be the Antichrist. Be the beast. 
I get I get a mix. Then up he's they, influencing yeah. people like he went, Jack he Parsons probably wants to be the false prophet to the beast, he and he creates beast. No, he rocket fuel. Yeah. Right. This leads to NASA. Mm -hmm. You know, you should see the patches for NASA. They're, they're very satanic. All because this little guy right here with this little hat heard something that his parents learned from this guy. And then this guy influences rock stars, entertainment, music What's and the we fruit? start speaking out What's all of the these fruit? things if the fruit here's the thing if the fruit if if there were no aliester crowley like i can get that somebody might go sideways right but if the fruit of what you're teaching is aliester crowley and what's happened as a result with the you know the sex cults and, and sex, honestly drugs, guys, rock and roll and magic. I know that you guys are really good researchers and you probably know more about Thelma and you probably know probably connections with big elites that are into this. You know who's really into this stuff? Megan Fox. She, oh, yeah. She cuts herself that and her boyfriend and they do their little sex magic stuff to try to be powerful and, and famous and things like that. James on DLive says it's no wonder we all have, we have all the craziness that we have today. Yeah. And so... I'm hoping that you learn something in this show that you can share with your friends and your family and say, just listen to this one. Just listen to the teachings of the Scofield Bible. He was a racist and racism is in the Scofield Bible. And I've actually think now that I think about it, I've heard people mention, you know, black people are him and they're kind of meant to serve us. I know. It's so racist. It's in the scope of you got racism and did I, I think I kind of glossed over evolution, but you got evolution happening in the midst of all of this you at do. the same time. It's all linked together. So just like the reason why I wanted no to bring Jesus. this to you is just like Margaret Sanger and Hitler are connected and so many of those names, right? All of these people are also connected. Mm -hmm. So let me read some comments here and feel free to, to continue to leave them before we end the show. Johnny says, whoa, whoa, the Beatles, Tavistock, question mark. Yes, yes. Um, Paulina says, what about the Chosen film and the Jesus Revolution I may have missed, question mark. Is different Christian music taken over as well? I will say this. I love the Chosen TV series. I find some inaccuracies in it, biblically speaking. But by and large, it is 100% spreading the gospel. Those it people, resonates. Like, I love you that can series. Be, and this is this is where I say, we're, we, we can all have different, like, viewpoints on interpreting the Bible. Put him over fear. And there's a difference between having maybe a bad interpretation of the Bible, mm -hmm. but being sincere and loving God. Yeah. So, and then the, the Jesus Revolution. If you're talking about the actual movie... I thought it was great. Yeah. I thought it was really, I mm -hmm. felt the power of God in the movie. Mm -hmm. I actually feel that the power of God was on that movement, but nothing's perfect. Mm -hmm. Okay. You, you go and you, and Kansas Cowboy, the one that just wrote the blog that Leah was reading from, Matt has done some research, you know, on uh, Lonnie Frisbee. And, you know, God moves in people and then they kind of go astray. That's why we don't trust in man. We trust in God. But the Jesus revolution in the movie, I think that they are good for expanding that, the gospel right now. Well, and also 
the Jesus revolution was real and the preaching of Jesus happened. My mom, my got, mom saved. got saved during it. But I said this, what they never addressed was why was there a whole generation of young people empty and wandering around and doing drugs and all this stuff. And we answered it tonight yeah. with these crazies right here. So I do have, if I wait, well, there was one okay. as, one okay. other aspect to that question that I wanted to answer is different Christian music taken over as well. Oh. Yes. I, all things are lawful. Not all things are expedient, whether it's secular music or Christian music. Cause Bella had sent, um, a song by Miley Cyrus that I haven't had a chance to listen to, but she says when she sings it, she replaces a certain word with God. Mm -hmm. And we've done that with Adele's song, Rolling in the Deep. Well, we've changed the lyrics on that before. But these artists in and of themselves, you have to be very careful in doing that because like Miley Cyrus and even Adele, they are not good people and they are, they do not serve Jesus. But we've taken an Adele song and turned it around. Yes, absolutely. There's a fire starting in my heart so to answer your question to me it's more about your heart when you're singing that song by and large when i'm talking about christian music here but there are christian artists and we could even say the bethel music industry as a whole is not that great and we've done episode we, we did an episode on that like four or five weeks ago but the songs if you're praising and loving Jesus, mm -hmm. okay. So yes, our is, is the Christian music. I don't think I think that most of the Christian indust music industry should be thrown out. I think those artists don't real. I think a lot of them are in it for fame, and they found a niche, a style like country music or jazz. They've found that Christian music is where they but, thrive. But if you are by yourself. Play, play Christian music because anytime you're saying Jesus, exactly. it's a good thing. Yes. Okay. So I do not put that. I do not. I don't put Christian music in the same category. That's a. That's a subsect. That's a something. That's all things are lawful. Not all things are really great for you. Can you eat McDonald's? Yeah, you can eat McDonald's. Is it really that great for you? Not really. Don't eat it every day. Yeah. So there's some music that's really good for your soul and some music that's not. All right. Are we done with these guys? Any more questions? You can take these guys down. <laughs> I don't see everything has been infiltrated. Johnny says Isaiah forty one ten says this episode is amazing. Sharing it all over. Um, what about Bethel teaching prophecy, Pollyanna? Uh, that's another. That's story. a whole other show. All right, Isaiah forty one sa says if Satan can hijack what God has made, we can reclaim mm -hmm. it by the power of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, really I do want to give you an, one more uh, resource. If you want to learn a little bit more about Aleister Crowley, there's a documentary here. Um, you just play a little bit of it. It's really weird. Um, I mean, his whole life is weird. The documentary is a documentary. So the term uh, just play a little dispensate. bit of this. You guys can, can get it in Michelle Drive. There's a way to make an entrance. I need, and you got to skip it like a few. Just Let me like, mute it while I play that commercial. There. It's not a commercial. It's just like the intro. No, yeah, it's not. That is oh, a commercial. Oh, okay, that is a Hang commercial. Hang on, I, let me have it because well, I haven't screen shared yet. Okay, I was just going to go to the I place know, where it started. I know, Hang on. Wait a minute. I'm not even sure I'm on the right window. There's two different windows we're looking at here. Yeah, we're not even on the right window. So i got to do a couple things to get you where you want to go. And then you can find your spot. I'll just unmute it. All right, where do you want to go? Just play it. It's fine. Make it one two five, I guess. I'm gonna let you take this and you can okay. skip ahead if you want. Tell about this man. Legend has it that Edward Crowley, the child, 
was born with four hairs upon the center of his heart, curling from left to right in the form of a swastika, the mark of the beast. The child's father, Edward Crowley, came from a wealthy Quaker family. His father and the child's grandfather, another Edward, made his fortune as a brewer, establishing a number of public houses that sold Crowley ale. Inheriting a fortune, my father had no need to earn an income and instead became a self-appointed preacher of the Plymouth Does Brethren. They were a small separatist denomination that emphasized three beliefs, the literal truth of the scriptures, the exclusion of all priestly authority, everyone was equal in the Brethren, and the belief in the second coming. My father would travel on foot around Warwickshire and later when we moved to Red Hill, the Surrey countryside, preaching that true Christianity could be found only among the Plymouth Brethren. I was often by his side during these wanderings. But whilst his father was a lay preacher of the faith, it was Crowley's mother, Emily, that enforced the strict doctrine of the Brethren at home. Life in that household could hardly be described as frivolous. There was no Christmas, no gifts, no childhood books, not even any toys. From the age of four, Crowley would be made to join the family and servants in the dining room for breakfast, where they would read aloud a chapter from the Bible, each person reciting a verse. The expectation of the second coming of Christ, set against the vigilant rejection of Satan, set the standards by which Crowley was raised. During these early years, he learned about the end of the world, the deliverance of the Plymouth Brethren, and about the wickedness of sinning. He also learned a great deal about death, something his father was obsessed by. Preparations for a distant future, such as signing a lease or insuring one's life, might be held to imply lack of confidence in the uh, promise of... <laughs> Crowley came to look upon his father as a role model. He became a Plymouth brother, believing wholeheartedly that this was the only true faith, unable to conceive that anyone could be so foolish or indeed wicked enough to doubt it. As he grew older, his feelings began to wander, just as any young boy's imagination would. But then, Edward Crowley was not just any young boy. When he was 11, his father died of cancer of the tongue. I had some respect, but little tongue. love for my father. Mm. And from the moment of his funeral, I entered a new phase of development, the main feature of which was non-conformity. My mother sent me to the Ebor School in Cambridge for sons of Plymouth Brethren, run by the Reverend Champney, where the main teaching instrument was the Bible, and the main instrument for correction was the birch. It was around this time that I began to rebel and fantasize about torture and blood often imagining myself being hurt and in agony. Of course, just as any young boy, my vivid imagination also began to turn to the opposite sex. But in particular, I had visions of being degraded and suffering at the hands of wicked women. <laughs> what is this documentary you have found, Leah Faith? <laughs> That's insane. Okay, so they get it. They get it. We can't watch anymore. Watch the rest of you guys can go watch the rest of that if you want. I'm gonna grab the. He went to school, by and was I didn't I didn't know that part. Um, I didn't catch that part that he his school was the Plymouth Brethren. I thought he went to school in Ebor, and it was a school for the sons of the Plymouth Brethren. Oh, okay, ran by the Plymouth Brethren. 
I get you. Like they were really indoctrinated. Their whole their whole textbook was Satan, 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 Satan takes over the world. The evil, evil Antichrist, the beast, the prophet. Stop it. You stop it. Stop indoctrinating your children with this nonsense. We rule and reign right now. We are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. We have the promises of Abraham. But you want to know why the world went to hell in a handbasket? Because Christians handed it to Satan mm. and said, you know what? In exchange for us handing the world to you, can Jesus just come back? Let's do it. Let's do an exchange. Jesus, if we give the world to Satan, will you come back? Oh, dear God. That's exactly what they said, essentially. And stop praying for the world to get better, you guys, because then Jesus won't come back. Oh, we just had a comment like that in our show the other day. We did, I know. It said, Matthew 24 has to happen. No, what you're saying is wrong. I disagree that we are, the world isn't supposed to get better. Stop it. Because they know the power of our words. Exactly. And if we speak life, we might have life. And if we speak hope, we might have hope. And if we speak victory, we might have it. Woo! We will have it. Your family's healed. Your life is healed. You have everything that you need for life and godliness. If a sparrow falls to the ground and God knows that a sparrow is falling, how much more is he going to take care of you? Oh, you have little faith. He cares about you. He loves you. He wants you to have a long and prosperous life to 120 years. And he wants your kids to have kids and your kids Come and kids on. and kids to have kids. And for us to Come bring on. heaven into earth. And for the planet and the whole creation groans for the manifestation of the sons of God to take their place on the thrones. Have you not seen Narnia? Okay, that's the that's a that's a good visual. Okay, with with all the children there ruling and reigning with Christ. That's us right now, seated at the right hand of God. And so right now, at the end of the show, I plead the blood of Jesus over your mind. We rebuke and devour Satan as we expose Satan. We have no fellowship with the works of darkness, but we rather expose them. And as we are exposing these works of darkness, I pray that these, this truth goes out, that your word is manifest, that you set the captives free, yes. that your light would shine upon them, and that all the darkness that was that was put forth or spoken forth from the 1800s on we just rebuke that right now in the name of jesus we bind it in the name of jesus your word says we bind something on earth that we bound in heaven and we bind and gag that false end time theology yes. and we just go back to that young crowley and we just get that whole family out of that plymouth brethren cult in the name of jesus mm. and they never joined it because it never existed and um i just pray father god that you make it like these people never came up with this false theology that the schofield reference Bible never went out and that all this false teaching we just rebuke it right now we bind it right now and we loose the truth we loose the kingdom of God across the, the planet there are people all over the world whether it's Poland or Serbia or Bosnia or South America or Africa that are believing this nonsense mm. and I just right now we loose right now the kingdom of God no weapon formed as shall, uh, shall, shall prosper you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus behold I have given you all good things for life and godliness in this world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer for I have overcome this world I have overcome this world be not overcome with evil but overcome evil with good satan is not going to triumph he never had the ability to triumph we take back that reign we take back the authority and we put christ exactly in our hearts and our minds where he should be reigning as king and priest right now we repent of taking christ off the throne of our hearts and our minds and and saying that the satan is the is is 
is is is ruling and reigning or or giving place to the beast we don't give place to the devil we just resist the devil we we resist the devil and we watch him flee we watch him flee from our families we watch him flee from our lives yes. we watch him flee from yes. um from our our country and we rebuke everything that the devil set up to try to steal and to kill and destroy but i have come to give you life and life more abundantly and he never revoked that you are children of abraham isaac and jacob you are sons of daughters of the most high god the king of kings the messiah who reigns and all the promises of god are yes and amen and they are for you in jesus name we pray amen 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 all right salty mama says i'm excited bartering trading mule oh yes no more government slavery amen paulina grace says um does joy and matt know about the oddity of bethel i don't know i haven't talked to them about that but speaking of joy and matt i want you guys to be tuned in to Sparrow Pictures. And they actually made a completely separate channel where they're uploading all of the 20 minutes of Revelation there in addition to their regular channel. So they're mm -hmm. all in a list. And I've put that playlist on the uh, Revelation Red Pill Wednesday slash Academy tab on resistancechicks.com. So Sparrow Pictures is there. Another place that I want you guys to be going is breakawaykingdomhub.com and look at their media tab. Serge DeRosa and Jason Heidinger have been putting out incredible kingdom content. You can follow their podcast as well, Breakaway Kingdom Hub. Corey Gray, the Kingdom Roundtable, every Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Corey Gray, Jason Heidinger, Serge DeRosa, and guests. They did a show this past week. Oh, it was so absolutely good. phenomenal. The last two weeks actually have been phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So you can tune into that. If you want all things kingdom, I'm giving you the resources Go and buy Corey's book, Born Again as Kings by Corey Gray. That's G-R-A-Y. You can Wipe get it on Amazon. Wipe your queen of Ali Estacrelli. Yes. I mean, this is the book that you want to get and you want to give to your friends. We have given it away. It's absolutely phenomenal. I. This is a fabulous... It's not just an entry book into all things kingdom. I mean, this is... This will lift you up from top to bottom, and give you the tools that you need not only to help spread this message to others, but to have it seated inside of you. Okay, so Born Again is Kings. Get the book by Corey Gray. Again, I've got a bunch of resources on the Revelation Red Pill. So Tab next down. week, I truly believe it's time to go back to Matthew 24 with Serge and Jason and Corey. So we'll see if they can come back. Now that you know the history, um, I think that in, in a future in a future episode, um, we will um, take on the modern end times with Hal Lindsey. But I'm not feeling that right now. I think you guys need a break from this stuff. Yeah. Let's get back into the Word. Let's get back into breaking down the um, the Word of God and how the Kingdom of God is manifest. So I think it's a really good way to. I think um, we never finished Matthew 24, so we'll go to the the next half of Matthew 24. We'll do Matthew 24, 25, and 26. I think that's with the boys there, with the guys. And um, I think it'll be a really good time in breaking that down. We'll probably do a little bit of an overview of Matthew 23 and 24. And so if you bring bring your bring a friend, bring a friend next week every Wednesday. Are we ever going to change the time? Yes, let's do eight o'clock. Okay. Because outside we, time. Yes. Leah was struggling to get back, to get inside, hence why the chicks didn't get put away. Because you just wanted to be outside in the daylight. 
I had one last thing I was going to do, and it was going to be the chicks, and instead I did the wheelbarrows to clean out the lard. No, it's good. It's fine. 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock, so 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock. Let's move next week, and we'll try to make that announcement in the in the next week well, or so. You did get, look, you got a little farmer's tan We've had today. no sun. I realize this. I think we've only had like five days of short sleeve weather this year so far. Okay. So today. That's awesome. That's nice. That's a good look for you. What happened? Oh, my gosh. All right. I hope you guys have enjoyed this. I know that I have. This was the, one of the episodes that I was looking forward to so much, especially once Leah put that link together, which we've had the Revelation Red Pill message for a long time. We have had the link of the Plymouth Brethren and John Darby and C.I. Schofield and all of that. But it wasn't until the past month or so that God made the connection through Leah's research to Aliester Crowley and all of this insanity and just, oh my gosh. I, 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 I threw up my hands. I was like, well, it all makes sense. And the good news is that salt him, now honestly. we can turn it Bartering, all around. trading, and a mule. I read that one. And no yeah. more government slavery. I love it. Johnny says, you two are awesome. Johnny, you're awesome. You guys are all awesome. Thank you for tuning in every week. We enjoy having you here. It's my favorite night. Um, feel free to leave more comments. We enjoy them. I think they're great. I miss Christy's comments. I hope we didn't scare her away. Christy, I hope you come back. Johnny Rumi went grave soaking to receive anointing from the dead. Her Jesus revolution. That, that I might don't be know another what topic. grave soaking is. But I've been. Does it Plymouth, sound good? Plymouth. Plymouth. Graveyard is really powerful. It is, yeah. I'd have to look more Never into that too. Heard of that though? Get the feel for that. Um, all I know is this: I went and saw the movie, and it was anointed. I can't tell you anything else. Like I felt the power of God in the movie, like it was. And I don't say that about all movies, trust me. Um, but people do weird things, and it's perfectly fine to call it out and bring it to people's attention. I'd like you girls to speak on yoga. Lots of people believe in it. That's a hot topic. We could eventually hit on that. We shall see as the Lord leads. All right. Share this far and wide. And the whole playlist is on Brighteon Remember and on Remember Nikki Vitale's um, yeah. OBE? I've been using it like nobody's business. I actually don't have those ads up right here. But Organic Body Essentials, I have been using the tincture. So OBE.OrganicBodyEssentials.com. Use promo code RC. I would not have made it through. The, the hog butcher is done. You guys can go and watch... Some of the videos that we did, Patriot Gallery re-premiered from Piggy to Pork Chop, which was from two years ago. If you want to watch the and uh, process there, don't forget if you've got uh, get out of the systems, all the systems. Go get, to, give ITM a trading a call. ITM Trading one eight hundred nine no one eight six six nine five zero seven 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 six. We got get out of the number. system. Go to ITM Trading and tell them the resistance chick That's sent you. That's a number they just will take care for of you. you guys. It is. It's a special number. 7776. Man, you can't beat that. That's pretty awesome. Okay, we'll see you guys on Friday for our weekly roundup of headline news on brighteon.tv at 6 p.m. and then for the after show on Rumble and Facebook and all of the other live platforms that we regularly see you guys on. So glad that you came. I know this was a dark episode, but I think pretty informative. So Leah, you knocked this one out of the park. Boom. All right, we'll see you guys next time. God bless. I was called.